We are brought to you by Boss Bears Supplements. That's Boss Bears Supplements at bossbears.co. Hard work, consistency, and determination are difficult to sustain when your mind and body can't keep up. Fuel your body with what it needs to perform like a boss. Whether you're closing deals, pitching a new business idea, or training in the gym, Boss Bears take your hustle to the next level. Our ingredients are the highest quality with potency and serving sizes that are the gold standard in the industry. Check out all of Boss Bears' products at bossbears.co. They have apple cider vinegar gummies. They have ashwagandha. They have all kinds of supplements in delicious gummy form. They also have them in pill form if you don't want the gummies. I prefer the gummies. They are delicious, and I've tried the apple cider vinegar. They are very good. Uh, use code Nikki at checkout to save 10%. That's bossbears.co, code Nikki. We are brought to you by Clout Power Supplements. Uh, that's K-L-O-U-T-P-W-R.com. Uh, so here I have the uh, protein, the cravings protein from Clout. Uh, this one is the salted caramel. This is some of the best protein that I've ever had in my life. It's actually delicious. Um, I, I like the salted caramel and the cinnamon swirl are my two favorites. Uh, also, their pre-workouts are amazing. So they have the Karma Nootropic pre-workout. It's a nootropic and focused pre-workout. It's a lower stimulant formula, zero itch formula. It has four trademark ingredients and it's fully has fully dosed ingredients. Uh, so far, I, the Arctic Cherry is probably my favorite of the Karma pre-workout. Also, try the Nero Aminos from them. And also the High Stimulant Mamba is some of my favorite too. And I really like the Arctic Cherry of that one. So go to cloutpower.com and use code Nikki to save 15%. K-L-O-U-T-P-W-R.com. Code Nikki to save fifteen percent. Okay, welcome to the Nikki Free Podcast. We are uh, we are live right now with Frankie Arcega. Is that the camera right there? That's the camera right there, bro. What's up? Yeah, say hi to all your peeps. Hey, peeps. Yeah, <laughs> yes, sir. So uh, Frankie is a fellow bodybuilder. Would you call yourself a bodybuilder? Yeah, I'd say now. Yeah, you've won a few yeah. shows, right? So. Yeah, before it would be just a fitness enthusiast right but now you got that big sword dude i do yeah did you get to keep that i did okay what what show was that from that was uh vancouver open in vancouver washington just this last year that was last year that's right 2022 dude that is so dope it was sharp too it cut me on stage no way it's actually sharp it's sharp yeah here dude keep this thing a little closer to you sorry sorry no 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 it's okay just for the recording but um yeah, man. So let's talk about what was it that got you into fitness in the first place? And oh. about about how old were you? Was it something you've always done? <laughs> this is a fun question. I like it, yeah. answering this one. Because, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, so, no, I wasn't always into it. Right. I was big-boned my whole life. More of know? a big-boned dude? No, I was... Not even big bone. I was just fat. Not know? the not the Greek statue you are today. Nah, you know I'm getting a little puff pudgy right now. But that's it's part off, of the bulky it's, process. It's off season, yeah. So I can. Mm-hmm. No, so the way that it worked out is, you know, pretty normal as a kid, and then I ballooned up pretty fast. Right. I, you know, I remember I was like 100 pounds when 
think it was eight, which is a lot, right? Right, man. So, um, you know, I was just had uh, my two guests ago, mm-hmm. this kid that was up to 316 pounds. No way. When he was like 13. You know, and he lost so much weight, he had to have the skin surgery and oh, everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a, it, it was crazy, crazy uh, inspirational weight loss story. 300 um, at 13. Is that what you just said? Yeah, three. well, 316. I remembered it because of Stone Cold. That's unreal. But I was like, so So you kind of, by the time you were eight, you were kind of just chunky? Yeah. As was, a kid? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was fat, you know. Um, right. I mean, I remember... Because I was made fun of a lot. That was my junior high, dude. Oh, was? Okay. So, like, I was, like, just a skinny kid. And then junior high, like I said, we were, like, you know, rocking, you know, Super Nintendo. And then Nintendo 64, eating pizza rolls. You know, like... <laughs> Re- Tostino's pizza rolls? Yeah, just all the shit. Yeah. Like, when your parents would go out and then you and your buddies would get together, like... And it'd be, like, watching whatever, you know, wrestling tapes and, like... And then by the time I was in high school, I was like tall and skinny. Again. Okay, but so I had a couple years where it was pretty. So you grew into it, eventually. But yeah, there was a few years too where it was like, oh no, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like okay, so let's go back to your story. So so it wasn't fun. No, I mean, yeah, it was I was you know the kid that got made fun of. Right. You, know? um, you think that's why you're so nice now? Because you remember that shit? Yeah, I think so. Right. You know, but there was a time where it kind of transitioned. So the way that that it worked out is I got a lot of heat from my cousins. You know, I didn't really get a lot of protection from my parents. You know, I would remember telling them, hey, Mm -hmm. cousins are making fun of me. You know, right? what's up with this? And Or I would ask for their help. I would, you know, tattletale. Oh, that they were like making fun of you and stuff? Yeah, yeah. Your cousins were doing it? My cousins were, yeah. A couple of them, not all of them. That's ruthless. It It was pretty bad. You know, I remember... Just having boobs as a kid. Yeah. And they would come up behind me and just grab Just grab them? No way, dude. Oh, man. I laugh about it now. But. So that kid's name was Seth Carroll. That's who that was. Okay. And he's a power lifter. And he had it so much where he had all the skin removed and stuff. Yeah, so. that, which is, you know, I'm lucky I didn't have that. I mean, I did have a lot of loose skin. But, but not anymore. I mean, it's still there. I notice it. But when you get lean, it's gone. For the most Basically. part. Yeah, for the yeah, most yeah. part. You know? but so your cousins are doing this shit to you, bro? They were, you know, growing up as a kid, you know, yeah. a couple people at school. Okay. You know, but I just hung out with the other fat kids, so we were just fat together, you know? Which had to be kind of fun. It wasn't bad. It's like back to the pizza rolls. <laughs> hey, you know, I got this funny, <laughs> this funny story. We had a talent show, and I think we did um, some Vanilla Ice or MC Hammer song. Yeah, Ice Ice Baby oh, or yeah, something. it's three of us fat kids just mm-hmm. dancing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Dude, that's so dope. Yeah. Yeah, that's all right. I mean, yeah, I mean, shit, my friends are all different levels of, uh, not, you know, most of my buddies, like, back home, they're not, like, in, like, tremendous shape or anything. Hey, you know, as, like, you, as you get older, you know. They got other priorities, you know, like, raising family. Not like they're in bad shape or anything. You know, even watch their food and stuff. And But uh, they kind of know where they stand. Like, they know what's, they're not, like, those delusional people. Mm-hmm. Like, they know what's healthy or not. They just, like, I don't have time for that, and I don't give a shit, you know? Do you have friends, just a question, do you have friends that are cynical about you being fit? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Well, or they'll just, like, ask you stuff, but they don't like the actual answers. Yep. Like, uh, they don't, they want to they have their cake and eat it, too, kind of thing, where it's, like, they want 
they want a magic answer, but I, there is no magic answer. Yeah, they want the that. answer is calorie deficit and like <laughs> eating very healthy and working out very very hard. It's the same answer. It doesn't matter if you're natural, not natural. It doesn't matter what supplements you're on. The answer is like working really hard and then not eating too much and eating the right stuff. That's gonna, you know, I mean, that's all it is. It's, mm-hmm. but it's so. And I do find a lot of them will get like delusional about like well i think i have like a thyroid problem it's like no i've seen what you eat you ha- you don't have a thyroid <laughs> problem bro like you have i mean i know what you're doing you're drinking beer you're eating this like it's cool if you want to do that and it's fun and i don't have anything against it but like the body is an outcome of an input it's it's just like a math problem so like it will the outcome of the body how it looks is going to be the sum of the inputs you're putting into it mm-hmm. They just, they don't, they don't understand it like that. They don't think of it like that. It's super simple, right? Right. Well, and I think sometimes they see like really super fit people do stuff like have some cocktails or like eat a pizza, but they don't realize like that 90% of the other time they're probably, or maybe just genetically they have a little advantage, but even that I think is kind of bullshit Yeah, it is. Yeah. Cause I feel like, yeah, genetically maybe they have better genes, but I bet they're like still just not eating as much and they're not you know like you only see like the fun thing you're like man i wish i could be like that guy you know what i'm saying like a lot of dudes do that i feel like yeah i can tell you that most people i mean no matter how genetically gifted you are yeah you know there's no way you can get there without a good diet yeah you could be super genetically gifted and and you know, eventually you're going to like, if you're eating like shit, it's going to catch up with you. Yeah. yeah. Maybe there's those one or two people out of a million, yeah. you know, that, that really can eat whatever. Well, it's want. always like when you see the rock and you're like, I'm just trying to be like the rock eating those cheat meals. It's like, yeah, but you don't know like 90% of the time he's like waking up every morning doing empty stomach cardio, just like killing it in the gym. Literally. Yeah. He earns those cheat yeah. meals. It's like, come on, man. You mm-hmm. know, like, but yeah, that's interesting. So, so after that, uh, stage of your life was that was like the bullying something that actually got you more passionate about trying to change it or was that something no not at all no it was your own thing man i just got in my head i remember crying myself to sleep like i remember literally wishing i remember seeing the movie aladdin right when i was a kid and wishing i had a lamp and one of my three wishes would be to be fit just not fat yeah Yeah. just not fat you know damn dude you know somewhere around junior high high school i started to get taller you know started evening out a little and bit and you're probably going through puberty a little bit so becoming more you know you have sure. more you know like testosterone in your system maybe you know growing a little bit because mm-hmm. that's usually where it kind of like starts to change a little bit for people but yeah and it did but the thing is is i wasn't working out right right so even then yep, i was yep. i was just pudgy still okay you know maybe you wouldn't be able to tell with my clothes on right you know and then sometime after high school you know all i did was just fucking drink and smoke weed really oh yeah dude i mean that's all i did party smoke drink and i'm just not into that stuff anymore either yeah i did just have that cigar outside i don't know why i was (laughs) like man it's raining out it's nice out like I'm like, I'm just going to smoke this cheap cigar. I had it, like, laying around. What was it, a Black and Miles? It's like a, yeah, I think it's a, I do love Black and Miles. You ever watch, like, Shannon Sharp? Oh, yeah. He's like, I got that Black and Miles, <laughs> that cream right there. You know, he does that voice and shit. Yeah. It's so funny, dude. Yeah. He's got the Henny. 
Um, I think it was like a backwoods. No, oh, honestly. Yeah, you know what? Those are those cheap gas yeah, station cigars, yep. bro. I just I can see the box too. You know. Oh yeah, but so you were you were in what age were you like was this after high school college this year yeah i mean i partying I, drinking I, I got into partying pretty early in my life right you know i'm not going to share too much about it but it's yeah. not like my fr- my parents didn't condone it but they actually didn't stop me either well right they probably maybe they party too they were like, no well not really my mom doesn't drink okay you know, she never has yeah um, i've maybe seen her take four sips of alcohol in my whole entire life right you know okay and it's literally like taking the glass it's like at a party or something and then it would be just be the liquid touching her lips and then she'd pull it away really quick and say "Ooh, i'm woozy <laughs> shit that's it <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean shit my mom she doesn't drink either much like she'll like have a few cocktails at a you know it's like all the you know the get togethers or like party someone's birthday go out to the bar mm-hmm. never has that much yeah. you know didn't get out of control yeah now my dad on the on the other hand, that was a different story. My dad can drink. Yeah. He still does. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah my... Like, not in a sense of, like, I mean, he's pretty responsible dude in general. But, like, he can have, like, a tumbler with ice and a mixed drink, and he's just happy, you know? Like, sure. He, yeah. You know, it was a different time back then, too. You have to understand right. that, right? I mean, we're talking, you know, if you grew up and were born in the 40s or 50s, you know, oh, these, yeah, these, these guys, when they're... Once they can drink, you know, I mean, they were drinking on the job. Well, and they didn't know all the stuff we know now. Exactly. Like, people would get into trouble, like, drinking or doing things, and they didn't have all these resources of, like, seeing all these people have done it. And, like, there wasn't all this, like, you know, how to, like, get out of this stuff. Like, people just, like, kind of did stuff and fell into things. There wasn't a lot of, like, support for, you know. I feel like now we have so much, like, you can look everything up on the Internet. Yeah, it's almost to a fault. Well, yeah, so, like, even, like, you talk about, like, musicians, like, before Elvis, there was no, like, blueprint for that either, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? So people would just go out and get in trouble, and, like, yeah, I don't know, that's crazy, though, Mm -hmm. yeah, but even when you and I were younger, like, that's what you did, you went to college, and you, like, just drank and partied. Yeah. That's, like, all anybody did. I mean, it it was almost a prerequisite. Like, it wasn't even, you didn't even think there was an option not to do that, you know, like, Mm -hmm. That's what I always say about growing up in a small town. It's like, because I'm not really much of a drinker now. I mean, I have these whiskeys and stuff, but I really don't drink, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, when I was a kid, I didn't even realize not drinking was like a, a choice. It's like everybody around me in my small town, that's what they do. They get, the adults all get drunk. Yeah. Like, that's what they do, like, to hang out. I'm like, this, wait, I could just not do that? I had no idea, you know? absolutely till i got into health and fitness you know yeah right yeah or grew up in our era <laughs> yeah well now kids i feel like yeah they they, they know more of that stuff mm-hmm. now so so when you were drinking and partying was there a specific moment that happened or anything where you kind of a switch flipped or was it a slow process of knowing you needed to change or no so i was still partying when i lost the weight so what yeah there was a switch there was like now i'm gonna party and i'm gonna look sexy (laughs) yeah it's like yeah so what ended up happening was um when i was 23 Mm -hmm. i had gotten my son's mom pregnant or sorry when i was 22 Yep. So he was born when I was 23 in 2005. Mm-hmm. So um, I remember somewhere around the time when he was about, 
I think two years old. Mm-hmm. I was just having so much trouble bending down because you know you got a baby. Right. It's constant bending over, playing on the floor. Yeah. And I could just feel myself. And by the way, I didn't mention this. So at twenty three, I got up to about two hundred sixty seven pounds. Holy shit! Yeah, dude. and. Mind you, this is 267 never working out a day in your life. Right, because I was going to say, I've been 260 before, but it was like in my wrestling days. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't necessarily lean, but I was, you know, big for wrestling. Sure. So and like, you were still active, though, right? Yeah, yeah, so that's a different... Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was just feeling it, and I just remember thinking... And I was smoking cigarettes at that time, too. Mm-hmm. And I, I just thought to myself, you know, I don't want to have this be an example to my son right so uh, a couple co-workers of mine decided that they wanted to join this boot camp at la or at bally's total fitness yeah you know what la fitness used to be right uh there's this trainer by the name of anthony scott hollis so i always got to shout him out because okay yeah that guy changed my life he's a carpenter now mm-hmm. um but yeah Jack, black dude, just shredded, you know, dreadlocks. Yeah. And Isn't that crazy one guy can just, like, make such an impact on you like that? <sighs> Absolutely. Right. I mean, and it, it was crazy because, you know, we did take the progress pictures. And after about seven months, I had dropped um, about 80 pounds. Right. Seven, eight months, about 80 pounds. And what were you doing at that time that started getting the weight off? Just kind of getting active. Yeah, I mean, my, my nutrition wasn't really on point. So for the first couple months, it was more of like, hey, I'm working out, but I'm still going to eat whatever I want. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. But I noticed like very little weight loss, mm-hmm. you know, and I noticed like, oh, look, I have muscle. Yeah. Even though if I look back, I'd probably think you'd be horrified. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's like, but then it was progress, right? Yeah, exactly. And then after I saw that progress, I think it was about 10 pounds in about two months that I lost. Had some muscle on myself. Mm -hmm. Man, I'll tell you the first time I ever worked out, though, I was so sore. Yeah, I bet. That I didn't think that I'd ever work out again because I almost went to the hospital. I'm like, this you is... You couldn't even move. I couldn't move. I right. couldn't stretch. Dude, and... it's painful if you haven't done it. It's like, yeah. I mean, people Yeah, people try to jump, especially if... I've seen people that have egos, too. Yeah. Like, uh, this one, one dude came and lifted with me once years ago. And I remember... They were even telling him, like, you know, be careful. And I'm like, yeah, dude, like, you just need to take this really slow, get the movements down with lightweight. But he's like, oh, I can do that. And he was, like, dead. I'm like, next day he couldn't even walk. His back was, like, fucked up. I'm like, dude, you can't do that. Yeah. But so how long did it take you before you stopped being, like, sore like that? And and then you got used to the soreness probably? I mean, it was probably after a couple weeks. Yeah, you're like, okay. I I mean, because nothing compared to that first time that i was in that first time was that like one of those boot camp things did he like yeah so really push you it was myself this guy named Derek, and another friend by the name of willie hudson and you know they were two bigger black dudes and then Mm -hmm. i was just this big asian dude and Mm -hmm. we just did this boot camp i remember i couldn't even bench press the bar yeah that's how weak i was yeah dude. you know here i am 267 couldn't even bench press 50 pounds. That's amazing. Now yeah. you got a sword, bro. <laughs> That's a crazy story. Yeah, yeah. And it's, I think, part of what got me going was not only the progress, but that that competitive 
mentality or the competitive nature of being in a boot camp. Because like, you had these other guys working really hard that you kind of looked up to. Yeah. Like I'm not going to let them see me be weak, so I'm going to I'm going to push myself. So yeah, they gave me accountability, mm-hmm. and then another thing, not only the accountability, but they gave me something to strive for to be better than. Yeah. Because I saw them and I'm like, oh, I'm gonna. I'm going to smoke them. Yeah. That's amazing, dude. Yeah. So I remember Derek dropped off and then uh, Willie kind of dropped off and I just kept on going. Isn't that weird? We have that, the competitive, like it's in all humans. It's natural. Even the ones that don't think they have it, it's actually in there. Never thought I had it really. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. So I, I lost it. And then Anthony, the trainer, he had put my picture at the front door of Bally's Total Fitness. Yeah. And he had done the six-month progression. Mm-hmm. And. Were you hooked after that kind of? Oh, yeah. Because now I had an image to live up to because there's a poster of me. I think that's important, actually. 100%. Yeah. Even like that dude, David Goggins, that runner, he was talking about that. Like, just the idea of David Goggins keeps him. Like, because he knows that he's that to all these people. Mm-hmm. And I think that, too, sometimes. Like, I don't think that's a bad thing. Not at all. Yeah. Just as long as you don't let your ego get... Right, where you're starting to hurt yourself because it's like, well, i got to be this, you know, like... Yeah, or just... Or or being an asshole to people because I'm I'm this guy on the wall type of thing. Yeah, yeah. Right, you got to keep that ego in check. Mm -hmm. And it's alive and well, and, you know, I'll only speak for myself. It's alive and well in me. i got to check it every morning. Yeah. Dude, I think it's a good thing to have one, but, but also a good thing to be... You know, you're so humble and kind to people. I think that's like a, a big part of like, I don't know, trying to do the things you do. And, and if you're trying to be any kind of role model to people, you have to remember that part too sometimes. Because mm-hmm. it's like, you know, it's, be, you know, being the hard ass is one thing, but like also being kind to people. It's like, I don't know. We talked about that last time. It's like, it's such an important thing in life, you know. Absolutely. I mean, here's the thing. It doesn't serve anyone right. to not be kind. Yeah. Here's here's what I know about myself. You know, let's say, you know, you do something that offends me, whether it's cutting in front of me in a line, whether mm. it's cutting me off in traffic. Yeah. Right. And yeah. I, you know, I get pissed off and I yell at you. Yeah. You know? Maybe momentarily that might feel good for myself. Yeah. You know, but after a second. But for a second. But even though afterwards, it doesn't really make me feel better. No, you're later you're gonna be driving and be like, God, I was a dick back there. Yeah. Or it's just like, no, do you really like yourself or do I really like myself when I'm being that way? You know, and then all of a sudden, like, how do I feel about putting someone else down? Right. Right. You're not gonna feel good about it later, probably. Mm -hmm. It's like an argument, right? We all get in them, unfortunately, but no one wins in them. No. Even if you're right. You're usually not in a good good place when you're doing that either. You're like either frustrated or you know, like that's when you make those kind of decisions to say those kind of things. Like you know, so yeah. It's hard. Sometimes you gotta like just take a deep breath and be like, Okay, I'm gonna wait and then and then decide what you're gonna say. <laughs> you know what I mean? Pause when agitated. Right. Oh, dude. I know even at work, you know, like, cause I do bartending. So mm. bartender. Yeah. I've had to, um, you know, work on that over the years. Cause I, I've definitely been in a place where sometimes people that haven't had like a lot of hard things happen to them in life or they, they're kind of, 
you know, used to being treated a certain way and they can be hard to wait on. And it's like, they'll make really big deals out of things that you're just like, that is not a big deal. Like you could be starving somewhere like in a different country or like, and you're you know complaining about like, we're out of this sauce today and it's yeah. ruining your life. And it's be like, entitled. like how sad is your life that you're like, the biggest problem is that this someplace is out of a sauce, you know, like. I mean, it's sad, but at the same time, right? That's just how they were brought up. Right, right. That's what I think, too. Like, I used to get mad about it, and I'm like, it doesn't really help me. It doesn't change anything in them. And also, it's just all they know. It's not even like, they're not trying to be, you know, probably trying to be an asshole. Yeah. It's just all they know. You know, and I always have to humble myself. Right. And I like the, the definition of humility, which is, not thinking of yourself as less, but thinking of yourself less. Right. You know, and it's not always all about me, but mm-hmm. I know this, you know, I've, I've had in my life, in my own circumstances, life experiences, where I did the best I could with the tools and resources that I had up until that moment, how I grew up with the family I grew up with yes, and thought I was maybe acting appropriately. But now that I look back at it, I was just like, man, right. What they even say that stuff like about survival mode. Like when people are in survival mode, like they'll look back, you know, when you're in a healthier spot in life, you look back, but it's like at that point in your life, that was all the only tool, like you said, the tools that you knew how to deal with that. Mm-hmm. So if you had something like growing up with certain ideas about things because of how you were raised in your family, and then you start realizing that, oh, some of the shit in your own family is kind of toxic, and you're like, oh, but I didn't know that back then, so I was doing the same kind of patterns. And mm-hmm. like, you know, eventually you kind of look back and you're like, oh, okay, now I kind of see what was I was doing wrong. Or, and we still have that. I'm oh, yeah. sure we still have a long way to go. Oh, you know? it's, it's, it's constant evolution of ourselves. Right. And, you know, it's, I do a lot of reading. I'm reading this book called It Didn't Start With You. Okay. By, um, I think his name is Mark Wolin. Yeah. If you read or if anyone listening to this reads, I highly recommend that book. It's, it again, didn't start with you. It didn't start with you. So it talks about family trauma. Mm-hmm. Right or your own trauma. I mean, right. we develop traumas all the way from the time that we're born. Yes. To the present moment, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the definition of a trauma, we think it's the significant moment, right? And it's not. It's actually something that happens that we don't know how to respond to. Yep. So, all of these little things create these triggers inside of us. Yeah. And what I was reading in this book, which is trippy. It, and I'll just preface it with we're all fucked yeah. <laughs> because um, the it, it explains that trauma goes back to three generations. Mm-hmm. So something that your great grandfather or great grandmother experienced yeah. as a trauma, there's something called the hereditary trauma where you can actually um, yeah. inherit those traumas. Right, right. You know, so there was this study done where they had a subject smell cherry blossoms and they would shock it every time it would smell cherry blossoms Mm. okay then the offspring three generations later they did this to people no not to people okay okay i was gonna say (laughs) so like animal study they did it it's an animal study okay okay. it's an animal that's uh very close to human 
you know. But the trauma was passed down not from teaching genetically. Genetically and hereditary. So this yeah. great grand offspring of this so this person or this subject that would get shocked after they'd smelled cherry blossoms. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now here we have three generations later this subject that hasn't experienced the shocking of church, you know, or anything, right. but when they smelled cherry blossoms, they had the same chemical reactions in their brain and stress right. levels. And, you know, sad because they wouldn't know that, you yeah. know? So if, if there's things that maybe, Hey, I get really uncomfortable during these moments. Yeah. It could be hereditary trauma. Right. Dude, that is wild. Because if you think about that, that's like, that's why like, when we're kids, we have, like, nightmares about, like, monsters with teeth and stuff. Because it's probably, like, in all of us from, like, you know, big cats, wolves, <laughs> all the stuff that used to eat us when we used to live out on the plains. Yeah. Like, you don't have to, like, be told to be scared of, like, a wolf, right? Like, mm-hmm. we would just know. It's like, so that's so weird that stuff can be passed down not from just by teaching but in your genes. Mm-hmm. But yeah. you're right. Like, even even stuff I think of in our families where it's, like, I wouldn't even consider, like, my family unhealthy or anything, but there are certain, like, things they have that are unhealthy. Like, you know, I mean, they're just a regular family, but it's, like, there's still things that will kind of trip you up if you're not able to, like, deal with them. Mm -hmm. And it's, like, you have to know that those things are not – or don't let them affect you, you know? Like, I really like that idea of you can, like, decide who you are, like, every single day and make changes. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Sure. I mean, it's hard because it's in there. It's in there. It's possible, you know. um, But again, this goes into the human psyche, right? There are some people, sad to say, that, you know, at times it's, it's almost virtually impossible for someone to create that for themselves because of the way that they were. Yeah. They were. Uh, gosh, I, what word am I looking for? Well, raised or... Yeah, raised or the way that they're wired, you know? Right, because some of it's just wiring, like you said. It's mm-hmm. not even... They even say that with, like, serial killers and stuff. Like, they're just kind of born like that, a lot yeah. of them. So these are... Yeah, and I really like that phrase of, you know, we're wired a certain way. So, you know, through these experiences, not even traumas, just experiences right. we create these wires and these neural pathways right yes and that's why we continuously experience the same things patterns right? same patterns of behavior do you have to like consciously keep an eye on your patterns oh 100 i do too man big yeah. time i have a big one of wanting to self-destruct mm-hmm. especially when things are going good like i don't Self-sabotage. know sabotage yeah kind of like i'm like ooh, i just kind of want to like mess this up you know mm-hmm. like a little oh. bit or it's like kind of like i don't know dude you know it's it's always in there yeah. for sure i think it helps me a little bit with like creative stuff but it's like you know i mean i now i'm a lot better about it i mean that's good it means yeah. you're growing right right but it's always kind of there i you and know, i think a lot of people have that too I, it's, it's it more comfortable to be a loser you know what i'm saying there's less pressure Oh, yeah. You start having more responsibilities, more pressure. You're like, man, if I could just fuck all this up and I can just go hang out and, you know, watch Netflix every day, do, you know, like not do the stuff that I have to do if I want to maintain this level of like output that I'm putting out, you know, like. Yeah. I understand that. Part of that is because when you're leveling up on a higher plane, right? Yeah. 
the goal is to always be better than yesterday or be better right. than you were. Right. Right. So when you keep on progressing and keep on progressing, it's like sometimes there's that standstill and we're uncomfortable with that standstill. Right. Yeah, yeah. Or when it feels like we might be going backwards when we should be moving forward. That can get frustrating. Mm-hmm. So then we just, we sometimes people self-destruct and cause themselves to kind of go say, down. To go down. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to purposely lower myself by doing something mm-hmm. that doesn't align with what I know I, I shouldn't do. be doing yep. this, but yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I even think that too. It's like, uh, it's, I don't know, it's more comfortable sometimes to not try to achieve stuff, you know, and like, but it's like, do you believe in kind of that vibration stuff? You Absolutely. Too? Yeah. I'm like kind of a big believer in that. Cause like when I'm doing well, I can tell my vibe is good, Yeah. you know? And then the other thing is like, if you are trying to achieve things, I think you're right. Like sometimes people will do where they start. It's kind of where you have to practice gratitude for where you are. Cause then you start being like, man, I should have this. People should be thinking this about me or why haven't I gotten this far yet? And then you start kind of turning into this, like like ungrateful person then people can feed that feed off that and like well i don't want to give this guy attention he's like he thinks he deserves all this and this and this you know like <laughs> i mean even if you don't like i get it the the vibrating at a lower frequency it's a lower frequency and vibe that, that's all scientifically proven you know i believe in that so big time dude um just like the hereditary traumas that's all scientifically proven through studies now yeah you know i'll i Probably, I mean, it's been about four and a half months, but about four and a half months ago, I was in the deepest, darkest place of my life. Four and a half months? Yeah, four and a half months ago. And okay. then probably, I mean, every day for about three months, like, and I'm going to get really vulnerable on this podcast. But Dude, I'm, I'm happy about that. Yeah. Yeah. But I was, I was ugly crying like all yeah. day, every day. I've done that. Yeah. yeah. And I, I still practiced gratitude. I still got on my knees every morning, prayed, prayed, prayed all day. Didn't just do it. Hey, I'm so robotic. No, I really made a conscious effort to connect. Mm-hmm. Um, I was still making a conscious effort to be of service to other people that mm-hmm. needed help. And, but there was something, you know, inside me that I almost had a imposter syndrome. Because mm. reality is, is I wanted to fucking die. Yeah. Like, that's that's really where I was at. Right. You know? And it was really dark. And um, there was this point where I was actually going online and I was looking at, like, weapons and, you oh, know. Man. Yeah, it was pretty yeah. bad. It was pretty bad. And, um, you know, luckily, I, I ended up getting some help without going too far into it but i ended up getting some help i reached out to some people you know out in the open yeah um because depression it's it's a really hard thing for people to understand unless they've really been through it right and it's probably hard to understand at different levels yeah because some people get like depressed but not like that sure that's a different level you know what i'm saying like they're just like depressed like I think there's different levels. Yeah, there is. There absolutely is. And, you know, it's funny because there are people out there that say, you know, the gratitude comment, right? 
So yeah. I know you weren't directing that towards. Oh me no 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 no. Yeah, but if if you say you know well there's just so much more so much you could you should be grateful for you know yeah. there's people out there that have no legs or have no arms or right. you know have deformities or have illnesses like life threatening illnesses or don't have family don't you know mm-hmm. like you should be thankful you know oh and you don't want to say that to someone depressed that's like stuff don't. i say to myself when yeah. i'm being a pussy yep. you know that's yeah. what, but, but i wouldn't say that to somebody else you yeah. know like and so you know and then that begins the other cycle and someone who's depressed they're gonna say okay well so now i'm even more of a so piece i'm not of shit. i'm more yeah. i'm more of a piece of shit because i can't be grateful i'm trying to be but i'm not yeah and then it's just this cycle of a downward spiral because then you're like oh i guess i am weak oh i'm a piece of shit god i should and then it just puts you even further yeah okay and it's funny because you know every time i look back at my life things have always worked out no matter what spot i was in right right life's weird like that life's weird it always works out have you heard of that parable of the Chinese farmer before? No, but tell me. Okay. I think I may have shared this recently, but um, yeah. So if you look it up on YouTube, it's there's a ton of videos out there. But mm-hmm. So there's this Chinese farmer. Yep. And he's got a, you know this horse that runs away one day. Mm-hmm. And it's his only horse. And the neighbors come up to him and they say, oh, we're so sorry. What a terrible thing. And he looks at everyone and he says, well, maybe. And a couple days later, the horse actually returns, and it returns with seven wild horses. Yeah. So everyone's like, oh, that's great. Congratulations. He's like, that's such an awesome thing or whatever. Looks at everyone, says, maybe. Yeah. Well, one day, his son is training one of these wild horses, gets bucked off, breaks his leg. You can probably guess everyone comes up to the farmer, and they say, how terrible and he looks at everyone and he says, maybe. Yeah, he throws him another maybe. Okay. Yeah. So two weeks later, um, there was a war that had broken out. And, you know, they're going around to each house and recruiting the young for the army. And His son don't have to go. His son was rejected because of the broken leg. Mm-hmm. So the moral of the story is that um, the only reason we're depressed is because things aren't happening in the way that we would want them to. Right. Yeah. I kind of heard now, whether you believe in God or not, mm-hmm. um, I'm not using God in a religious term. Okay. Right, right, right. Like I, I'm kind of in that belief that, you know, whatever higher power it is, right. God is almost too big to fit into one religion. Right. right? He's right. infinite right. or whatever you, believe whatever in. God is. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, um, gosh, where was I going with this? Um, but, you said the uh, oh yeah, the, the parable. Yep, yeah. Yep. So I heard once a, a guy say, "You know what depression is, right?" And I'm like, "What?" He's like, "Depression is when God isn't doing your will." Yeah. Because you're unhappy with your own circumstances, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's not going the way that you want. But right. the reality is, is you know, if we were to look at that story in that parable of the Chinese farmer, okay, loses a horse, bad. Right? Yeah. When actuality it was good because he got brought, seven horses. They brought more back. Yeah. yeah. Now, son breaks his leg. Bad. But no, it, it was actually good. Right? So yeah. we never actually know. What's coming next. Yeah. yeah. And I, I've heard this a lot that life is 
life is lived forward but understood backwards. Yeah. You know? No, that's even like in a Megadeth song, dude. Yeah, 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 yeah like, exactly. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that it's up. It's like life can only be understood in reverse but must be lived forward. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of weird, yeah. So, you know, in the essence of things is even though I know things are technically going to work out, when you're stuck in those dark places. You just can't get out. It's terrible. I, I've like thought of it as like a like a pit where you're just trying to climb out, but you just can't get out. Like you're climbing and climbing and climbing, but it's just like no matter no what you do, there's just, yeah, you keep falling down. Roll, you know, the dirt keeps sliding. There's nothing you can do. Like, yeah. It is weird because I haven't been in a spot like that for a long time. I've been, you know, I've been in those spots too. And you're right. It's weird how like, or like something will happen in your life where you think it's all this and then something like, Maybe you're like short on money and then all of a sudden like you get a raise and this other, you get this happen and this happen. You're like, oh, okay, now I'm fine. Or like, I don't know what I'm going to do about this. And then pretty soon, like, like you said, God or the universe presents it to you and it all makes total sense when it's like the answer comes. You're like, oh, now I'm fine. It's like, but so you just got to have faith that those things will keep working out, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And what helped me the most was not being in isolation. Right. Being around people, friends. Being around people and outing myself. So I've never really talked about mental health on a public platform before. Yeah. And I just recently started being more open about it. I think it's good because I'll have people on here and they're so scared about being vulnerable. Yeah. Even that kid um, doing his, um, Seth, uh, Seth doing talking about his weight loss as a kid. Mm-hmm. I thought that was super brave for yeah. someone his age, 17 and like... You know, because at that age, you're so worried about what people think about you and everything. Hey, it doesn't stop either. Right. And his dad even sent a message like, oh, you know, that was so cool seeing him out. Like, he was really proud of his son. I'm like, you should be proud of him. That's pretty cool. Absolutely. I'm proud of him. Yeah. I don't even know him, you know. Well, that's what I mean. Like, when I was his age, I couldn't be that vulnerable. Be like, leave me alone. I don't care about anything. Fuck (laughs) it. You know, like, you're so worried about showing, like, any kind of feelings or emotion. Yeah. 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 No, I was full of ego at that age and... Right? It's hard. Man, that's when I was playing music a lot. <laughs> we should talk about that, man. You want to talk about it? Yeah, so what... Because yeah. you, you had kind of like... You kind of like the same stuff I do in a sense, don't you? Like, you like some of that sound... Like, that grunge stuff I, and that emo you know, stuff. Like, man, I love... I love that era. You know, I listen to a lot of new stuff, too, now. But that era was always cool. You know, I'm... I get around when it comes to music. You know, I don't discriminate against any style, technically. Right. Um, but, you know, growing up, I remember just being so into Pearl Jam and Nirvana. Yeah. When I lived in Southern Los An- or so- Southern California, mm-hmm. I was living in Los Angeles County. Yeah. That's where I was born. That's where I grew up. Right. And we grew up in a very gang-infested, like, Hispanic neighborhood. Okay. And... Um, and even my cousins, you know, were Filipino, um, technically Pacific Islander or Asian. Right. I don't mind saying Asian. Yeah. You know, and everyone was listening to rap or R and B. Yeah. And here I was, thinking, man, all I want is a blue truck, and I just want to rock out to you know Pearl Jam, Pearl Jam. and Bush, and like you know all of these grunge bands in the nineties, yeah. and and surf and you know skateboard, and everyone just thought of me as the black sheep. Well, so it's like out, out of uh it's like stereotype it'd yeah. be it'd be like um like a black dude who's into like heavy metal like slayer yeah exactly. and it happens all the time but it's it like does. 
It's like, what are you talking about? You know, like, you're supposed to, like, rap if you're black. You're supposed to, like... Yeah. You know, if you're a skinhead, you're supposed to, like, Slayer. If it's you're, like, so fucking... And it's kind of dumb. Yeah. It's like, everybody likes a little bit of everything, mm-hmm. you know? Like, um, there's a comedian, Chappelle Lacey. I don't know if you know that dude. But he's, like, big... Like, he does this rock band. Like, he's big into, like... And he talked about that growing up black where, like, everybody thought I was supposed to be into this. And he likes, like... I don't know, like Oasis or like all, and he's in a band and he sings this kind of music and it's like, you know, it's like, do what you love. Who cares? Yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah. It's funny. Cause whenever I'm, you know, when I'm at the gym, people, you know, I'll tell people what I'm listening to sometimes and they're like, you listen to that? Yeah. <laughs> you know? They're like surprised. Yeah. Well, it'd be like telling Eminem not to rap. It's like, yeah, of course you can rap. Dude. Yep. Come on. Yeah. So, um, yeah, anyways, to answer your question, yeah, I, I definitely, so when I moved from California to Seattle, it was, it was, was awesome. Was it kind of like, oh, I'm going to Seattle, where all that music's from? Man, I moved the year that, I moved here the, the year that Kurt Cobain died. You know? Oh, Or wait, shit. when did he die? 92. 94. 94? Yeah, that's so right. You, you were here a couple years before? No, I, yeah, I came here in 94. Oh, 94. Yeah, yeah, that's when he died. Yeah, that's what I thought. That was crazy. Yeah. So, which was really sad to me because I'm like, I finally get to go see Nirvana, you know? It's so weird because I don't think anybody's ever changed music as much as that guy. Mm-mm. Which is so weird because it's like music, you know, music's changed still, but nothing's impacted it to that level. Oh, man. Like, you know how many 80s hair bands went broke after that? Or like, even like, I was watching this thing about like Motley Crue trying to like change after that, yeah. like change their style. And like, he just affected everybody. What I'm so surprised is that they were so unique that you didn't... There was no bands that sounded like Nirvana. There really wasn't. I mean, here's the thing. If you look at the bands of the 90s grunge era, they were also original. No one sounds like Soundgarden. No one sounds like STP. No one sounds like And then all the late 90s ones sucked. Yeah. Because they didn't know what to do after that. I mean, I thought they did anyway. Yeah. 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 I mean, there's a couple good ones out there. But no, I don't... You're right. Soundgarden's so unique. Alice and Chain, they all Alice they all kind of had a similar thing, but all of them were so different. Like Pearl Jam, Soundgarden, Alice in Chains, even um, Stone Temple Pilots. They were yeah. in there. They were in there at the good time. Yeah, they were. And you but, know, I, yeah, you had, nobody sounds like Nirvana. I no mean, one does. I mean, you had like Billy Corgan with Smashing Pumpkins. Oh, he's a big one too. Big yeah. hitter. Big hitter there. Yeah. yeah, I remember, man. I I. When I moved here, I'm like, I bought a Guitar World magazine. Yeah. That stuff was so cool back then, dude. It was so cool. No one buys magazines. People forget about, like, how rock, like, rock, rock stars were a different thing back then. Like, it was, like, different, man. It was, I mean, and, I mean, there was, you had to have the whole package. Yeah. Right? I mean, I've had to get some of that stuff out of my head. Like, stuff I still think about music. Like, <laughs> you know, because it's like, I mean, I can't stay in that headspace forever. Like, I have to grow up at some point. No, fuck it. You know, like fuck, like, fuck the man, fuck authority. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, because that's what music used to be about. Oh, yeah? Like, it used to be about, like, There's you an know. Image. I was watching this thing. One of my favorite moments is, um, it was, like, around the time, like, 1996-ish, I think, when, like, you know, Metallica went through what they called their sellout era where everybody didn't like them. But I loved it because to me, it just sounded like... You mean when they came out with Load? Yeah, Load and Reload. Yeah. Those are like my two favorite Metallica I albums. Them. I loved them. Well, because it, to me, it's like Metallica with being kind of influenced by like Alice in Chains or like that kind of style that was out then. But uh, one of the coolest things was like they, they went... It was like 
MTV Video Awards or some kind of awards show in Europe. It was overseas. And they were on the MTV show, and they were supposed to play King Nothing, which was one of their n- new... Crown King Nothing. Yeah, King Nothing. <laughs> ah, yeah. And uh, they are supposed to play that, but, like, they still had that, like, rebellious spirit. So, like, they ended up, like, I guess... And if you watch the video, like, Hetfield looks like he's possessed by the devil in it. Because he's just... You can tell he's like, yeah, we're saying fuck you to everybody. Because, like, they're supposed to play this song. The radio, uh, you know, the record company wanted them to... They played uh, Last Caress and So What. So Last Caress is a misfit song, and So What is this old punk. But both songs are filthy. Okay. I mean, the lyrics are filthy. So they were punk. They played it's punk like, rock I, it's songs. It's like, yeah, they played this punk song. It's like, I fucked the sheep, and I fucked the goat. I ran my cock right down his throat. So what? You know, that's the song. Like, these are the lyrics. There's nothing filthy about that. They played that on <laughs> TV, and, you know, obviously MTV never aired it again. But they kind of forgot to get the fuck you out there. And, you know, Nirvana used to do shit like that, too. Like, they'd be like, you have to go lip sync to this song. And Kurt Cobain, like, went out there and he was, like, singing, like, a lounge act. And he, like, stuck the mic in his mouth. Like, it's kind of just that stuff of, like, making a mockery of, like, stuff that's silly. Oh, man. I remember seeing Filter play, like, a swimsuit, um, Sports Illustrated swimsuit. Yeah. Yeah. And, um... And he came out wrapped in toilet paper. Right. There's and, like, I... and he had lipstick um, written on his on his little toilet paper mummy outfit, and it right. says you can't put lipstick on a pig or something. Oh my god! And just dude. you know, with a bottle of Jack Daniels. Well, that's a... what rock music is supposed to do. Yeah. Like if you get to a point where rock music is like corporate, and it's like, it's like no, the whole idea of rock is like saying fuck you to the establishment, to the authorities, like. I don't know, dude. So I like that spirit. I, I miss those days. Yeah. Rock was more important when it was doing that, you know. Yeah. Like, yeah. It was like social commentary, yeah. you know. I'm not saying everybody should be doing that yeah. stuff, but but there was that's what rock is supposed to be, yeah. you know. Well, you know, if you think of... I just need to bring this up, not because it's really relevant. It kind of is because we're talking about that t- style of music, but right. partly because you kind of remind me. You're when you sing, you kind of have a very, you have that Eddie Vedder timbre to your voice. Oh yeah, definitely. You know? yeah. That's why, like when you were posting songs on IG for Yellow Ledbetter, yeah. I'm like, yeah. Is did I say well, that? Well, you know, or people yeah? used to make fun of me, like they'd be like, he thinks he's Eddie Vedder, and so like when I'd sing, and then other people just love. So when I used to have bands, like that would be the thing, like because my one girlfriend told me that, like, oh, people were like, oh, he thinks he's Eddie Vedder, like it's just people talking shit. Yeah, it's because like if you're talented, you know, it's that thing about somebody being jealous or whatever. Absolutely. But it's like, yeah, my favorites were like um, Chris Cornell, Eddie Vedder. Um, I love Dave Mustaine from Megadeth, yeah. and I love James Hetfield. Like those are like so. Of course, like that's where I'm gonna draw from. But for some reason, that's who my voice closely sounds like the most is Eddie Vedder. So hey. it's like, yeah. And that's that's technically what everyone does. Well, that's what know? he was doing. He was yeah. going out and trying to kind of sound like uh, the Doors, you know, Jim Morrison. Like that's you kind of always sound like the people you, you, that your heaviest influence. And then eventually, by. you find your own your mm-hmm. own voice. It starts becoming its own thing. Yeah. You know, so I think that's what all bands do. Yeah. But Eddie Vedder back in the nineties, when he was in his prime, when he would climb up the rafters, yeah. hang upside down from like 
a 30 foot raptor yeah. or like the greatest the, of all time oh dude. my gosh when he was back in like that 92 eddie where he was like just that little shy dude and he'd like but he was so angry and he looked like a surfer dude you know like it was the best yeah I god that was the best dude i mean he's always he's still good to this he's day he's still great but yeah back then i mean he was like the shit oh man I love that man. Yeah, yeah. I'm like that with James Hatfield Metallica. He's okay. like my my all time favorite goat. <laughs> like I was just watching um, when they had that song. Um, oh, what the hell is it called? I disappear from oh, the yeah. Mission Impossible Two soundtrack, and it was like two, the Video Music Awards 2000. And they come out and play it, and he's just so fucking like. I remember like me and my buddy watching that, and like that's the shit that made me want to be a rock star. But it's like I don't feel like you can even like get that level anymore. I mean, you can't. Not to that that stratosphere of, like, 2000 Metallica, late 90s, where they were, like, gods. You know what I'm saying? Like, they're in the Mission Impossible movie. I don't know. It's It's weird, man, because here's the thing. They're still huge artists out there. You can still get huge. Don't get me wrong. But it's, I mean, and they they have, like, you know, let's just use Justin Bieber, for example. Oh, yeah, he's huge, huge. Huge, right? But it's just different. It's not that level. Like, before it was, like, a di- Like, the only thing, honestly, it's going to sound weird that I can say comes close to it is, like, Trump during his... Like, that's the level of, like... Like, people were wearing those hats. It was, like, Beatlemania, but it was, like, for right-wing... You know what I'm saying? It was, yeah. like, it's some kind of like weird a, it's cult. It's, like, cult like, following, yeah. Yeah, so I'm, like, what... I'm, like, why are we doing this for politicians yeah. nowadays? We used to do this for, like, Guns and Roses. <laughs> yeah. Because, like, it, to me, I was, like, I don't get the the... That for politicians. Yeah. Because, like, you know, I go home, like, and everybody's got the red hats and stuff. I'm like, remember we used to do this for, like, people that had talent? Like, rock stars and shit? Yeah. Why are we doing this for this dude? Because like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, we used to, like, it was, like, Guns and Roses. Dude, I'm watching this anime called Bastard on Netflix. Okay. And I don't know. It's I like it a lot. I think it's really funny. But, like, his, like, spells and these stuff that he does, whoever wrote it, all the spells are, like, like the name of the spell is like he like has to he's like so, says something like Dave Mustaine summons something and then he's like Mega Death and like so that's like the spell or one of them's like called Venom. There's Guns and Roses. the The kingdom is called Metallicana. And this is a brand new anime. It's a brand new one, but I think the manga is like old from like the '80s into the 2000s. I respect that, you know. But it's dope that like all the spells are named after like old like the, there's the Iron Maiden. There's like all these like old rock bands and shit. Classics. That's why yeah. I. That's why I love when. Um, there's this guy named Lil D, and he's uh he's this. Lil, Lil D. Lil D. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But okay. I found him on Instagram, and he's just this really young, talented rapper. But yeah. he always, like, references old school names. Yeah, that's You know, dope. to kind of bring him back. Like, this kid was rapping and beating people in, like, these rap competitions when he was, like, 12 years old. Just, like, right. This he had glasses. If you looked at him, you'd be like, oh, that's a cute kid. And then he would just... Murder. Murder. I'm gonna have to look him up. That he's, sounds cool. He's really good. Yeah. I always love people that look to the past to like you know, and they they bring because it's like they re they bring that person back up. Mm-hmm. Like when I was young, listening to music, I was like listening to like Fleetwood Mac, like Neil Young, like all that old shit. Oh too. man, I, yeah, I was like I was straight up Beatles, Neil Beatles Young. Beatles too, dude. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that was like some of the first stuff I started learning on guitar. Yeah, you know? I would say Clapton. Some of that stuff was know? the easiest to learn. Not yeah. that they were like easy guitarist because i couldn't do it like them but it was chord structures i mean it was yeah three three chord structure yeah yeah. dude i know that's 
But so I like when people do that, like they'll bring back the past stuff because it's like it comes in like cycles, right? Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden, like something from the 70s is popular in the 90s and then something like right now, who knows, you could get something from the 90s, make a comeback or like a, you know, some like style, whatever influences you. And I'm sure like, you know, like Post Malone does that. He did that whole thing where. That's why I love Post too. Dude, he's dope. I think he's dope too. Because he brings back like. I mean, he'll play Zeppelin, he'll play Nirvana, mm-hmm. you know? He did that whole thing, like, during COVID where he wore a dress like Kurt Cobain. Yep. They played all those Nirvana songs. And I think it was uh, Travis Barker was the drummer. Yeah. Like, that stuff was dope. Oh, man. I, that's why. That I made me like, kind of really get into him. Now I have, like, all his stuff on my, like, gym playlist. I do. I like a lot of the new stuff, too. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Same. But it's definitely, you're right, not the same. Mm-mm. Not like the quality of the music, just the idea of a rock star in our society. It's kind of different. Mm-hmm. I mean, the old guys still have it. Like, we still look at them on, on these pedestals. But I've never seen anybody new kind of get to that level. Yeah. I, you know, I can't even put it into words what it was like. Yeah. Well, that's what they always say, like, the world that you're born into doesn't exist anymore yeah so we might have like we have this idea that like a young kid growing up now they would they might have like a tiktok star like that's who they think of as like the stratosphere of like fame i mean you know? it's true like, yeah i mean that you're not lying right it's just totally a different like they wouldn't understand like you were like look at this guy he's a god and you show him james Hutton, they're like what okay who's this dude man i was that's why i'm just so thankful that i was able to like go to see some great shows yeah i'm happy we grew up in the time we did you know yeah what was your first concert really quick do you remember let's see what would my first concert have been you know i don't remember i think honestly it was probably something where it was like joe diffie or something like some country guy that just like my family (laughs) took me to or something yeah but i remember we went to, like, the when I first got into music, it was, like, we went to the Metallica Summer Sanitarium Tour, like, 2003, and then we saw Pearl Jam. Where was that? The Gorge? Uh, well, no, I can't remember. So I was back in Iowa at okay. the time. Oh, okay, got it. But I do remember going to, like, this was been later. I'd already been to some concerts, but we saw Pearl Jam live during their P- PJ20 tour, remember that movie? They came out with a movie, Pearl Jam 20. It was like 20 yeah. years later. Yeah. And they did these shows, Pearl Jam 20. And then it was like, kind of like, you started hearing that at the very end, like they when they were in Canada, like Neil Young came out at the end, surprised everybody, they played Rockin' in the Free World. Oh my gosh. And then so like at the end, we're like, oh my God, who's going to be? You didn't know. So at the end, all of a sudden, they pulled out Chris Cornell. He was there the whole time. <sighs> He comes out and they do a bunch of Temple of the Dog songs. They play Hunger Strike with him. And then that's like, then they finish out the show. But it's like, that's the only time I actually got to see Chris Cornell because I never saw Soundgarden. I never saw Audio Slave. I would have lost it. Dude, we lost it. We're like, oh my, because there was, we already knew like something big's going to happen at the end because they've done it at every one of these shows. This was in Wisconsin, I believe. Um, I don't know. It was dope. I, I remember, like, there was something going on with, like, the BP, like, spilling oil and shit. And, like, oh, that was that time. Eddie was, like, making up something, like, on the spot. Like, don't go. BP Emico. Don't go. You know, he was, like, making some protest shit up, like, on the spot. And that was cool about the bands back yeah. then, too. Like, Rage and, you know. And Well, it used to mean something when they did. Now mm. it's, like. Now when people do it, it's just like you're trying to make your social media blow up by, like, doing the correct thing. You yeah. know, it has no power anymore. It's I like, know. 
It's like, um, it's just not the same thing. I know. It's because you like all you know that like it's cool to do it, so it almost comes off as like fake. And it's so hard because like even if you are being genuine about it these right. days, you could be totally being genuine. Yeah. yeah. It's so hard though. But it's like, are you doing this just to get your you know clout, or are you doing this because you actually care? It's hard to tell now, you know. Yeah. yeah. So, because someone, I think it's like people ruined it by doing it for clout. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, and it's like, just... but the bands that they used to do it, they actually cared about it, and oh. they had. I mean, they would have albums completely dedicated to one thing. Mm-hmm. Like I remember, there was this album called that would come out once a year. It's called Mom or M O M. Yeah, chance for music for or music for a mother ocean or something or. Oh, okay, something, something like, like that. Yeah, and like I'm sure the proceeds went to help something. Or yeah, like... it went it all went into like conserving the ocean and like it would have maybe 20 different songs and it would be 20 different bands yeah well they used to be able to do so much to like help or bring awareness yeah it was a different world dude i mean totally it's it's when there were cds technically i mean it was before there was a public platform to really play music through the click of a button man it's so different now i mean when i used to play music i still prefer the sound of cds there's just something about putting a CD, yeah. having a book of like 500 or 300. Oh, I, I remember those days, dude, in your car. You had that fucking big thing and you'd flip through you'd, all that shit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> It'd be falling apart. Dude. Um, I remember when I was playing music, because a lot of people say, so we're, we'll, we'll probably get into this, but a lot mm. of people that know me today don't know that I used to play professionally. Well, right, and you know they see you now. You're this bodybuilder. You got a fucking sword. You're jacked. You yeah, know, like they're like, they probably don't even get it. No, and the, and if they looked at me, they'd probably be like, "What kind of music do you think he plays?" You know? Yeah. What did you play? So um, right now, I I mean I I played a lot of different stuff, but what I really got when we were playing and when we were popular. I can't really even say popular when we were. But you were doing it, making money. It was, I was doing it, was it making living. It was living. Yeah, yeah, making good money doing right. it. Back then, it was good money. Mm-hmm. Um, it was. I mean, that's more than a lot of musicians yeah. can say, dude. So, um, you like you said, you had you were inspired by, um, you know, Pearl Jam. So you sound like who you're inspired by. Right. I was really inspired by Sublime. So yeah. I was playing a lot of that, like punk rock meets reggae yeah that shit was the shit yeah i mean Sublime's great oh yeah we had a big band too we had a dj we had a guitarist we had two um two horn players sometimes three you know we had a dude bass. i love sublime we have we have this customer that go- goes to the bar and every time sublime comes on i think it's usually santeria mm-hmm. he he hates it he hates oh it's a bunch of it's, it's a derivative bunch of derivative i can't i wish i could like do an impression of him <laughs> hey that's fine that it's, it's so derivative it's crap it's this red hot chili peppers sucked after they they switched i'm like their best albums like he like ha- he's so opinionated about music hey like he hates red hot chili peppers after they changed to like you know the stuff that we would consider them now you know like basically sugar sex blood magic like everything like under the bridge is crap they used to be a, a funk band they were good everything's derivative derivative der- he just says that all the time like, red i'm hot, gonna fucking derivative red hot you. minute man dude i'm ready to derivative right, <laughs> right in the fucking face sometimes but hey you know i remember there was a time in my life where if it was popular i pretended i, I didn't it. like it yeah because yeah. i wanted to know all the underground stuff i know 
Dude, I was talking about that. Like, me and my buddies were so like that. Yeah. Like, like oh, that's like... Well, and part of it came from, like... Your, <laughs> that was the era. Your favorite bands were basically, like, like they... Like, Metallica came because they hated 80s shit. So, they were like, fuck Motley Crue, fuck this, fuck... Mm-hmm. So, you kind of got that spirit in you from them. Because, like, they were, like... They were actually formed out of hate, you yeah. know? For, like, this, like glam era so they're like we're gonna play fast we're not gonna fucking wear makeup we're gonna be badasses and so you kind of got that too so it's like oh you like this it's shit oh man i listen to real music like tool bro fuck that you know like <laughs> you get this weird like ego about music dude you know? yeah i remember um i'll bring this up and this is name dropping 100 percent. so mm-hmm. if you think i'm name dropping we're all about it let's get I that am. clout baby i am yeah so um this was when my band was just pretty much starting up and um, we ended up playing this our, our house party at our drummer and DJ's house. Oh, and it, it was um, it was one of the best house parties ever because I fucking walk in and I'm playing. You know, I'm warming up on my guitar and yeah. I'm just jamming out. And like this one guy comes up to me and a guy I don't even remember his name because I just didn't care. Mm. But I'm playing and he's like, this guy comes up to me, looks homeless, just long hair, looked like he was doing drugs or something. Yeah, you know? yeah. And he's like, man, you're really good. I'm like, thanks. He's like, how long are you guys going to be playing tonight? And I'm like, yeah, we're going to play as long as we can. And he's like, great. I want to come back and like jam with you guys. I'm like, all right. Kind of like, no, Mm -hmm. you're not going to jam with us. Yeah, you're just like (laughs) saying the thing, whatever, to get him out of there. Yeah. 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 And then um, my friend or our drummer, his name's Caleb. He went by Carl back then. He's like, do you know who that is? And he's like, he's in the Black Eyed Peas. Oh no! Yeah, shit. <laughs> and he's got these, these like customized shoes that say "Black Eyed Peas." So on who them. was it? It was the um the the uh the long not Will I Am yeah. but the other long haired guy, not the Filipino guy. Okay, no yeah. shit. So it was him. So you thought it was just some homeless dude? Like you're like, yeah, sure, you're gonna yeah. jam with us later, yeah. bro. And when I walked in, he was just playing on the hand drums like nonchalantly. Yeah, yeah. You, you know? didn't know who he was. I didn't know who he was, man. And I remember. I once I found out, I was like, "Hey, man, I'm sorry." He's like, "No, it's totally cool." You know, he's like, "But we'll be back later." Yeah. And uh, so he, the Black Eyed Peas, that night, that was right when I'm out. Fergie joined them, but they weren't. They didn't have any hit singles out yet. Oh, okay, no way. And they were playing a rave, and they played this rave, and they come back, and we have this epic jam out jam. Like we're literally playing. We've got our DJ, our horns. Mm-hmm. We've got like guys from the black eyed peas we've got this random guy from seattle who's just outspitting everyone too yeah dude yeah i wish you had that on tape oh man we had some great moments like video you know like yeah so i you know i grew i really loved sublime i i was playing a lot of punk rock a lot of not emo music but really just like dreary kind of like yeah some basement band music yeah dude i, I mean i loved some emo shit back yeah in the day. like yeah, yeah just that deep stuff you know yeah i always felt like art is like really good that's inspired by like pain and suffering you know like well that's what type of music writer i was i was never able to type i was never the type of person that could write a song yeah that i wasn't personally experiencing it's tough yeah i used to be really like kind of I think even that looking back, I, I was probably a little bit like prima donna, you know, like about that. Because like in my bands, I'd just be like, 
you know, if I just like, I can't relate to the music. I just can't like, you know, I don't know how I'm supposed to like play this, you know, like, I don't know, but I did believe it at the time, you know, I was like, cause you know, and that's how it like, I was in a couple cover bands where like certain dudes wanted me to play sh- stuff and I'd be like, I just don't feel that, you yeah. know? And then I'd be like, I want to play this shit. And then a couple of other guys were more into the heavy stuff and like, whatever. But you know, looking back now, it was just, it was all fun. Yeah. We loved it, you know? Yeah. I mean... I, man, I'd love to relive those days, you know? Well, it's like, I feel like maybe someday I'll play music again. Yeah. We should, I, I should have put a string on my guitar. We'll start like a bodybuilder <laughs> jam. Hey, hey, sometime. you invite me back, I'll come do it, you know? We'll, we'll have to do it sometime. Get, we'll, get we might have to practice on. before we jump Oh, on. yeah, dude, I'm so out of practice. Like, I broke that string. I was watching this, like, Metallica Helping Hands concert. Okay. And so they do it every year to like raise money. It's their foundation, Helping Hands. I'm, I'm not sure what charity, but it, it goes to help, um, I think it's kids. And so, I can't remember, but they do it once a year. And it was like, it was on Paramount Plus. They have it streaming. Super cool. And they were playing, they played like two Thin Lizzy songs. And like one of them obviously was Whiskey in the Jar. And I'm yeah. like, man, I got to learn that fucking song. So I, I was played it and I was, it's, it's a fun song. And I, then a string broke. I'm like, shit. Well, those, those strings, I'm, I'm gonna call you out. They look pretty old. On oh, they're thing. dude. They're old <laughs> as fuck. They're probably. I haven't changed them in forever. Like a decade. Because I'm kind of like, uh, you know, like my musician Nick is dead. Yeah. I'm no. like, you know, it's kind of like, it's still there, but it's like sometimes like your old idea of yourself holds you back from becoming who you want to be. Oh yeah, because you were like you were in it. And right. It's... And it doesn't mean that I won't play music again, and I still don't love it. But it's like right now I'm focused on other things, you know. So it's like. But I feel like it's always kind of there. Yeah. Yeah, music. I, you know, it's funny. When I was going through my depressed episode, uh-huh. um, I picked up my guitar again, man. Yeah, that's the best time to do it. And it's so funny because here I thought I was so rusty, uh-huh. you know, and there was just something about being in that headspace. Right. And I was... Man, to be so completely present when you're playing music and in your in the emotion where you're actually feeling your feelings come out of the the guitar strings yeah. and out of your voice, hundred percent. I was like, man, I'm not rusty. Like yeah. I just, like, need, I still have this thing. I, I still, yeah. I, yeah. man, I was jamming. I was like, like maybe your fingers need to get strengthened up and your calluses come back, but like. You still have the thing. It's there. Right? Uh, it was like, there, man. And I ended up writing a couple songs, not the normal genre that I would write. Mm-hmm. You know? That's good, though, man. Yeah. Yeah. That's the best thing to do. Like, I mean, even sometimes that's why I, like, feel like getting away from music because I'm like, I don't know how long I can do that and stay in that kind of head. You know, like, even, like, I was listening to, like, Pearl Jam talk about writing their second album and, like... It was after the success of, you know, the, uh, what was their first one? 10. 10. And so they had all this money now. They had a nice, and Eddie's like, how am I supposed to write like this? We have everything. Yeah. He like literally said he had to put himself in like a shitty, you know, headspace. What, and, they, like, what was after 10? Was it Vitology? Uh, no, that's their third one. It was Versus. Oh, it was Versus. It's the one with like yeah, Daughter, with the, Don't Call yeah. Me Daughter, uh, Animals on there. Yeah, Versus is with like the the lamb on the cover yeah, yeah. it's a great album honestly oh, it's so good it yeah. was it was their only i'd say those two are the most commercially successful they're the best ones they're amazing then after that is when eddie got like freaked out because cobain killed himself and then he kind of like 
took over the band and basically was like, we're not doing anything commercial, fuck off. Because he was scared, I think. Because it was like so successful. He was like, we're not doing music videos. We're not doing anything. And it's, they say it's probably the best thing that happened to him because it gave him longevity. They felt like they would have burnt out if they kept going after that commercial thing. Yeah. But it's like, yeah, those first two albums are bangers for sure. And it's, it's, it's sad because, you know, my favorite I will say, without a doubt, my favorite Pearl Jam song, even though there's so many good ones, yeah. is Yellow Lead Better, which is a B-side of the single Jeremy, which a lot yeah. of people still don't know, you know? Right. And then... That song gets so much shit for, like, mumbling. Yeah, but that's why I love it. I'm like, when I sing it, I, I like, know the words I'm saying, but I can see what... Like, I mean, even, it's like... You kind of have to sing them like he does. It's oh, like, dude, because it's not this. It's what you're mumbling doesn't oh, sound like. Oh, the, yeah, it's like again. It's such a great <laughs> song though, because it's like it almost sounds like some kind of like, like Mike McCready was inspired. The guitar player was like inspired by like um, Stevie or Jimmy. Yeah, definitely Jimi Hendrix, Stevie Ray Vaughan. It has that vibe, it's and got it's got like that blues guitar. And then just Eddie's like on point in that song, like. I love his mumbly vocals in that song. I love it. I mean, it's like what makes the song. Well, my sister introduced me to that song. I remember I was, God, man, I was maybe 11 or 12. Mm -hmm. I was listening to the Beatles on my dad's like old school, like stereo system thing that was way too gaudy and way too big for what it did. Yeah. But then I just remember my sister was like, listen to this. It's like, and then my favorite nirvana song i can't even tell you um what it was but he was he showed up at a radio station in aberdeen and was like i wrote this in the car and i just so happened to be like had a record a tape player that would record stuff right what you don't know what song it was oh man i wish i did because i learned how to play it by ear I used to love that saga. Where Where did you sleep last night? Oh yeah. What? How's it go? Fuck, I can't remember. In the it's like in the house where yeah, where yeah. It's like my. It's there's a lot of voice cracking in that. Don't one. lie to me. Yeah. Tell me where did you sleep last night? That's a yeah. At the end, he really goes yeah. off the charts with the the screaming. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one, dude. Um, I don't even think that's their song. I think that's a cover. Yeah, he did. Um, I just love that. Yeah, that Unplugged album was great by them. I know. I'm yeah. kind of so sad to like, what would have, what would have he done like if he hadn't killed himself? Because like, I felt like the music was, like when he did um, In Utero, it was so different. Mm-hmm. And it was like, wow, he's going in a really crazy direction. Like, who knows what he would have come up with. Dude, it was so good. Well, one I'm, of my, my other favorite song was from released after he died from the muddy banks of the Wishka. okay yeah and one of the song i god i forgot the name of it it's gonna kill me but whatever. i do like that one song they released after he passed away and i think like even hole did a cover of it it's that one i was like oh yeah oh you know you're right it's called you know you're right you know you yeah so it always made me wonder like damn he would have but I think he had I'm imposter syndrome. Look this up. I'm gonna dude, look it up. Look it up. Okay. I think he had imposter syndrome, dude. Oh yeah. Like like oh, I'm this like, you know, 
like world changing musician that changed music and I'm the greatest thing and he was like I'm just this dude I don't even know what the fuck I'm doing well, that's why that's why he's gone man like yeah. it's it was the, too much pressure it's the same thing and I you know God bless this man because I love him and he changed my life was Anthony Bourdain yeah and he's gone too he's gone dude what At even happened top, with him top of his top of the success and same thing if you actually watch the, the his documentary called Roadrunner which was created after he, after he after passed, passed yeah it goes through it he's just he was just he start he stopped doing it for why he loved it you know oh, shit it was, it was like, just he had to keep up with the fame train because it was demand and supply and demand supply and demand there, there was something with a girl too Oh yeah, man. I know. I don't know any of the details. I just know there was something happened with some girl. Yeah, that was really bad for him. All of his friends were like saying, "Like this isn't good." And yeah, that was sad because so that he, played into it for sure. Yeah, he divorced his wife. Both of these girls he met while he was filming the show. Yeah. I remember when he met his wife, and his wife wasn't with them. Ooh. And I remember, um, well, it was before they they had actually got married, but. She was just a guest, and she was slamming them for making this pasta dish. They filmed it in Italy, and she was like, this is not pasta. And she's like, she maybe took one bite. Okay. And then they ended up getting married, had a kid. Right. And then they got separated. But that was his wife before this other girl, Yeah, right? and then uh. she started dating this, like, movie director mm. from, like, I, some some European place. Very good looking. Yeah. And very like, but yeah, she ended up, I guess they, f they leaked some footage of her with some other guy oh, shit. and it just wrecked them. And that's then, what I heard. Yeah, yeah. There was something, man. Cause like, I don't know much about it. I just know like the stuff I've heard from like podcasts and all that stuff. Man, heartbreak, you know? It well, is... and it's weird that it can still get you when you're as successful in his age. Dude, it doesn't matter, man. Because I'm always thinking like, oh, I remember like, you know, I'll talk to these younger younger guests I've had on here or like even some of the ones that are a little close, like in their 30s. And it's like, well, what got you into weightlifting? What got, you know, heartbreak? It's like, of course, that's the thing that makes you the sharpest you'll ever be is heartbreak, right? It's like, it, it makes you the best you are if you can survive it, you know? Dude, it's like, that's, it's the worst. If you survive, I mean, it's worse than death for it real. Is. Most of the time it's because it's like death, at least like the person's gone, but it's like, now they're alive, but they don't want you. It's like a worse thing, you know. Like, Man, it's uh, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm gonna say that is like that's something that is my downfall. Oh yeah, it's it's. Uh, but oh, I um, do you remember the song? Is it Spank Through? That's what it's called. Yeah, it was never released on anything. Okay. But I remember it, and I that's remember Nirvana. Nirvana, yeah, on the muddy banks of the wish. Oh Canada. yeah, that's such a good live album. And it's funny because same thing with Eddie Vedder. He just mumbles, and it doesn't. Even, it's, it doesn't matter. Dude. It, it sounds so. The beginning lyrics are: "There was a soft, pretentious mountain," and when you hear him sing it, he's like. <laughs> that's <laughs> what it sounds like. Well, but that's the thing is like that's why you like these guys because it, they're not just performing they're like getting themselves into a, a space and they're like projecting their pain to you so like if their voice does some weird thing it adds to it yeah 
you know what I'm saying? Like, so to me, I think that's like part of it. Like you're, or like the way they're able to use their voice to like do weird things sometimes where it's like, that's what they're meaning to do. Like sometimes you're like, why do they do it? Well, it's like, cause it's, that's what they're feeling in the song. That's what they're trying to do. Like even like Neil Young's really good at that. Like he'll do like really warbly weird stuff sometimes yeah. with his voice, but it's to make the song better. He's meaning to do it. Like, oh, man. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I tried to do that. You know, obviously, or I, I, whenever I did it, it was unintentional, and yeah. then I would just keep doing that, you know, right? Because it worked. Hell yeah! I gotta hear some of your stuff sometime. Uh, dude. It, well, th- good luck because you can't find it. The Isn't only, that a bummer? The only, yeah, because here's the thing, you guys. Um, back when I was playing professionally, there was no such thing as Facebook. I know, know that's the problem. There was no social media platform when I would market our C- when i would sell cds or like um try to get people to come to shows i would hand draw these flyers yeah i would sit out in the corner of seattle pass them out pass them out and i would have a walkman and a, and some headphones on a street corner and be like hey listen to our demo no way oh yeah and people be like yeah we'll give you the cd if you come with two people you know right. and that it's was like just you- the honor code just in the streets trying to get the music to the people. Dude, we would hustle. Yeah. But the funny thing is that we never had to look we never had to look for a show. We were lucky enough to ever since our very first show, we just got offered shows. Well, and that's probably I mean, you guys must have had a big thing cuz if you had the the horn section like so I imagine it was a pretty attractive band to have like cuz you guys must have been pretty tight if you're playing that kind of music and, and no one else was doing it. Right. Right. So our first show uh, was in 2002, and it was at the Cedar Crest High School yeah. Battle of the Bands. And Cedar Crest is a is the uh, high school in Duval. And did you win? Yeah, we yeah, fucking you, won. You and just destroyed. You dominated the Battle of the Bands. Yeah, and the ju- you know the judges were like high clout judges. Like Queensrÿche was one of the judges. Whoa, like the yeah. dude from Queensryche? Yeah. 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 Because they're still in this area. Oh, yeah. And one of the bands that he signed was one of the bands that was playing there. That's got to feel like high oh, praise. Oh, dude. man. And they were called Roundabout. They had these synchronized dance moves. They were like kind of like your more poppy punk rock. Yeah. And they were good. And they were good looking guys. Right. But you guys beat them. Don't know how. Dude, that's awesome. Yeah. Man. And then literally after that. I mean, we got hooked up with some studio time, fat sound system, uh-huh. you know, like these customized rings from a Hell's Angel, yeah. like skull rings. Yeah. Dude, that is so sick. <laughs> Still have it. Don't you? I, so I just really wish we had social media the way we do now back when I was in my bands. Yeah. Because I still like there's certain from like. Like the first band I had was called the Goat Ropers, and we were a cover band. Okay. That started as a joke, but man, we used to play these live shows where I would kill to like have recordings of those. One hundred percent. You know, but they're gone forever. Yeah. You know, people like there used to be this place called the Marina Cantina in downtown Kirkland. It's now called the Bottle and Bowl, but before that, yeah. there was this place called the Marina, and. I know that place. Yeah. So it was the Bottle and Bull anyway. Yeah. So you used to play down there. And we sold that motherfucker out. Sorry. I, I've been saying Oh, no, that. you can I've swear. Been, I know. Here. I've been cussing a lot, though. I try not to. You're trying to get better about it? Yeah. No, not really. I just try not to. I just, yeah, whatever. I get it. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, we, we would 
play this place every other Friday, and there would always be a line of about 100 people waiting to get in. Dude. And That had to be so fun. Oh, man. We would make, you know, and back then, bands were struggling to make a couple hundred bucks when they would play. We would walk out of there with 1600 to $2,000. Not bad. Not bad. You know, split between five single guys that right. don't have families and... We were blown up, man, and you know that led us to opening up for. Um, after Bradley died, they started a couple bands called the Long Beach Dub All Stars. They started uh, Long Beach Short Bus, which were all of the band members from Sublime. Yeah, got to open for them. Because what year? When did he die? Ninety six, I believe. Damn, that is so crazy. Yeah, and have they ever really? They have a new singer now, right? Do they still tour? Um, they do have a new singer. His name's Rome. But have they, he was kind of like the guy, though. Yeah, so he was... Is be- it is it equivalent of, like, you couldn't really have Pearl Jam without Eddie Vedder? Yeah, it was kind of like, you know, when they replaced... Um, well, look at Alice in Chains, right? Like, they... The only reason that even works is because Jerry Cantrell is such a big part, and his voice is still there. It's still there. And the guy... But here's the thing. It's still not the same. It's not the same. Right. It's not Lane. It's like, not It's Lane still Stadium. great. Trust me. All their new albums are still great, but it's not... Yeah. It's not the thing it was. So that's the same thing. So they're, they're now known as Sublime with Rome. They couldn't take Sublime. Yeah. Because someone else copyrighted it. Yeah, yeah. Which is, like... Weird. Yeah. But we've even got to play with them. That's dope. Like, we were doing big things. And, man, I just got way too, like, my ego took a hold of me. Was it bad? Man, it was bad. I can see that. It was bad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, I'm not the the man today that I once was. Thank God. But, I mean, sometimes the same thing that makes you so good at that art is, like, the thing that makes you, like, a dick. You know what I'm saying? Like, that ego, you know, like... I, d- I was listening to like Shawn Michaels interview the the wrestler and he was yeah. I think he was talking to it might have been Logan Paul's podcast or something and you know he was talking about how he used to be such a dick but he's like he's like I don't necessarily know though that I would have reached the heights that I reached if I hadn't been that guy. Uh, yeah. He's like I don't want to be that guy now and I'm so happy I'm not. Yeah. But he's like I don't know that I necessarily would have you know it was it's like an armor the ego yeah. is like an armor sometimes it's like. Man, it, it it is in yeah. a way, and maybe we wouldn't have because these were all my songs. So I was like, "You play them the way that I write them." Ooh, you okay. were that guy. Yeah. Oh yeah, just and if they messed up, I would just like give them dirty looks and like it was. I, that, that's a perfectionist, dude. Dude, that's it like, was so bad. So I had a hard time with that too. Like when I did my last band, Loudhead, which I really enjoyed, and I still think those dudes are great. Yeah, because you have stuff on Spotify with Loudhead. We got right? the one, uh, the EP on Spotify. Yes, and yeah. it was cool. I'm glad we did it. I'm glad we finished it. Sounds good because I remember listening to it a while. Yeah, back. It, it, the dude that produced it, uh, Scott Mass, was his name. Um, it was like Fact Factor V Studios. We did the drums in Stone Gossard's place, Lith- Lithograph Studio, which was super cool to be in there because you knew that it was like Stone Gossard Studio. Yeah. Um, but it, I was like that too. Like it was really, it was a lesson for me in uh, collaborating where, you know, every other band I've done, I was basically like in charge because it's like he's the guy with the talent, you know, yeah. like. And now I'm, voice, right? yeah, yeah, now I'm like with these other guys who are talented too, and now they have opinions. I'm like, you have opinions? What the fuck is this? Like, <laughs> like it was like hard for me to. Uh, so it was a good lesson because you know we had to compromise on certain things. Oh, 
but it was kind of like, man, I'm not used to this. And it, it was good to, it was like, uh, I think it was a good lesson for me, but I mean, eventually I did end up quitting cause it was like, Oh, you're the one who quit. Yeah. I'm the one okay. that quit because it, it felt like they had weird, unrealistic expectations about like, like we should be blowing up from this one EP. And I'm like, Oh no, it takes like years and years. And so they're trying to like change the direction. Cause like, it, it felt like they wanted to try to like, I don't know. I was starting, it was like, we need to write like this. And I was like, well, I don't want to write like that. So I was just like, I'm out, you know, it was mm. like too much. And plus I think I was just really kind of unhappy at the time, you okay, know, yeah, that, I mean, but it was like, I felt like I'm like, well, I'm not going to try to like, I don't want to try to write a certain way that is dated to this time. Like, I just want to write what I like for you. me. Yeah. And you know, the first album was like, it was like, Good. I felt it like it felt a little dated, kind of like dad rock a little bit, because it was kind of like hearkening back to that yeah. era that's gone. But I was still really proud of it. I thought we did a good job with it, and it sounded good. But I was like, I want to go do like unique shit, and like I also was like, I don't want rules like, oh, the songs have to be two minutes or this or that. I don't want to follow the like. I was all like trying to be rebellious, you know. I'm like, if I want to write a seven minute, eight minute song like Metallica, I'll fucking do it. I'm Nikki Free, you know. Like <laughs> yeah. I had an ego still. I was like. <laughs> So well, look, I don't know. look at Queen. You know, remember when they came out with? Did you watch that Queen movie, by the way, or that? that oh no, movie? no, no the 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 movie like the actual movie movie or is this a documentary? Yeah, the the movie Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, yeah, like great written movie and like depicted how it came like because Bohemian Rhapsody was what an eight minute song. Yeah, and they're like you can't do that. You can't do that. Yeah, and they got, I didn't like the rules. It was oh. like, we need to do this. The vocals need to come in at this point. It has to be a chorus right at the beginning to catch the... I'm like, I don't want to write like that. I just want to write what I feel. like. I, You know, I I get it, man. But I kind of get their point, too, because like, you want to be commercially successful. So I, like, understood. I just... I think I just... I'm really glad we finished it, but... And then I kind of moved into more of the fitness thing. Okay. So it was like... Because I really wasn't happy. I wasn't in... Like, I used to wrestle, and I was so used to, like pushing my body to these certain levels where I felt like I was not at my potential anymore and I wasn't ready to like let go of that part of myself either so it was hard to like balance both you, Do you think you'll ever get back into it because wrestling yeah because I know you're older but I am, but I know I could still do it right Dude, now. Dude, at the same time, you're probably in the best shape of your life. I'm in the best shape I've ever been in. Yeah, because you and, look great. And yeah, you, yeah, I mean, I think I could do it. And it's like, honestly, I've been thinking like, if I am going to do it, I better do it in the next five years. Otherwise, like when I'm hitting 45, I'm not going to probably. Dude, 100%. But then you see like Edge, he's like 47. He comes back. He's in like tremendous shape and he's still killing it. So I'm like, yeah, maybe this is the time. I'm not going to rule it out. Yeah. Yeah. I'd so. love to see it. Yeah, it'd be pretty dope. Yeah, yeah, we'll see what Nikki Free comes out as now, right? Nikki like, Free twenty twenty three. Because I, I want to see what that what that looks like. Because we know you you got to transform, right? It's like right. it's a performance. Oh, it's right? a performance. Yeah, I don't know what I would do. It's a good. It's a. It'd be a chance to be creative again for yeah. sure. That was one thing when I performed with my with the band that I was getting popular with is that it was all a show, you know. Right. Like, there are points where, like, I mean, we got it down to where, hey, this is where we're going to stop. This is what are, where I'm going to talk. This is what I'm going to say. Oh, I like that, though. Yeah. So, like, that's kind of like you watch the Foo Fighters talking about, like, when they started versus, like, 
building what became a, an arena show. Mm-hmm. Like when it gets to the level of arena, like they, cause before they talked about, they didn't really know how to build a show. So they, they eventually get to a point and I'm metallic is great at it too. Like building the show. So it like blows people's fucking minds. Like, it's not just like, Oh, we play these like, and even Pearl jam, like Eddie Vedder puts painstaking work. Cause they do different sets every night. And yeah. he, they, he goes by how he feels. So he'll change the set list every night, you yeah. know? So that's like, however you do it, like you have to have all those little details. Yeah, it was like this well-orchestrated, actually it wasn't even well-orchestrated. I was just the fucking Nazi on that stage. So you were the guy. Dude, I was the guy, man. And here's what ended up happening with the band, right? Two years later, we're doing great, man. And, um, you know, we're playing great. But you were kind of ruling with an iron fist. Dude, ruling with an iron fist, not, you know, and here's the thing. This is what I start to realize with, sadly... Um, even at this age, how I've conducted a lot of my relationships, you know? So it's this continuing learning process for me to where things are one-sided, right? When in a band, if I gave them the artistic freedom, you know, maybe we wouldn't have been as big, but maybe we would have gotten bigger. Because here's the thing, old bass player, he's actually playing in a band called the Volcanics out of California, surf surf rock band. Right. Uh, So... And the drummer became is still doing stuff. Um, you know, one of our horn players is still doing stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, they were all so talented that they could have probably taken it. It probably would have been more appealing to more ears. Rather. Right, because I thought that too with the, the guys in my band. It's like, you know, maybe that's why I had to like try to listen to him because it's like, and then they're both talented. Like uh, James, the drummer, he's in Austin now. I really hope he does something because he's, I still keep in contact with him, but it's like, what if like one of their ideas was the thing that like made the song better, but you're like too closed off to it to think about. Cause I do think sometimes it's good to have like somebody that's more the, the leader, the direction, but be that with like a little bit with an open, open mind yeah. as well. Because somebody does have to be kind of the leader. I mean, like, somebody has to be making the decisions, but sometimes I think you got to be open, too. Yeah. And it's tough if you're, like, a creative person. Well, it's almost like that that difference between a leader and a manager, right? Right. I was a manager, technically. You're you're managing them. Yeah. You should have been leading. Yeah. Yeah. And a leader would be open to ideas. Exactly. Yeah. It's hard to do that, though. It's hard as a musician, I know. Yeah. So what ended up happening with that is... And plus, I was just getting, the the partying was getting in the way, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, definitely. The lifestyle, I started getting more attracted to the fame and the partying versus the music. You yep. know, there was a time, and a couple close people know this story about me. Yeah. But uh, we had a big show. Some big, big, big people were coming out to watch us. And I remember bass player, drummer come up, and they're like, hey, man, it'd be great if you just don't drink during this show. Yeah. And I remember... Did you take that as like... No, nah, I would remember being kind of pissed off about it and like under my breath. I was just like, you know, fuck you guys, you know? And mm-hmm. I remember having a bottle of Jack Daniels. You're like, nobody fucking tells Frankie <laughs> yeah. you can't fucking drink, right? Like, So I have this bottle of Jack and I remember before the show, I'm like, I literally go to the audience and I'm like, so my band doesn't want me to drink today. And I was yeah. like, what do you guys think? Because I just happen to have this bottle of Jack Daniels. And, 
you know what, what so i'm sure the crowd loved you oh, the crowd loved it for yeah. that but your band was probably felt really hurt from oh that. man so here's the thing i take the whole thing down i get so sloppy to work because i chugged it and first two songs great about the third song i get so sloppy yeah but you know you really are a rock star dude because that's like you have that rebellious thing. Somebody tells you you can't do something. You're like, fuck you. <laughs> just like, I don't really look like uh, one. You're know? like, I, I mean. I look terrible. Like, if you look at pictures of me. I, have I know looking back now, I'm sure it doesn't feel like <laughs> that. But that is like a, that's a rebellious thing. Hey, let, let's say I tried to hug someone that was kind of below the stage. So I kind of had to reach down. Yeah. And I remember falling off the stage on top of this person. Holy shit, dude. So you were sloppy. <laughs> I was sloppy, man. It you was know, not a good look. But that like that's kinda like why Guns N' Roses broke up, dude. Yeah. Like they all had heroin problems and Axel would like start saying shit about it, like to the crowd. Like uh, like like calling them out for their hair and like that they took so much offense to that like we know we have a problem, but you you're bringing it out in public. So like that's what you did with the bottle. You're like, my band doesn't want me to drink. You know, it's like, ooh, that had to hurt when you said that. Yeah, They're, well, it, it they they didn't stand for it, right? You but know? you were being rebellious, like rebellious teen, and I'm sure the crowd was like, fuck that drink, bro. You know, like, uh, they were just going wild. Yeah, just yeah. loud and. Yeah, I mean, that was life. and I feel like you can look back fondly at those things now, but you're happy you're not there. That's how I would feel. I do, yeah. And obviously yeah. everything happens for a reason. Because here's a here's the thing. Just shortly after that, we all sat down, and they basically all quit the band. Mm. Really what it boiled down to is they fired me, but a unique way of firing me is they're like, hey, we're all quitting. And yeah. then probably about a month later i find out that they started a new band with one of the one of these other uh, with a lead singer with from a band that we used to play with all the time so that had to hurt it did yeah. but i will tell you that it made you look at your own behavior it made me look at my own behavior sadly this is how i learned through pain mm -hmm. and through the consequences of my own actions right sadly you know, and yeah. I know that there's a lot of people that learn that way too. I'd rather not have it not be that way, but you know, these are and these are things. So, I'm a big advocate of, about mental health. You know, so I'm right. seeking out a lot. You know, because like I told you, I've had a rough couple months. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm doing intensive work. You know, that's good, and I'm glad you're sharing it right even right now, dude. Like, yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm actually. I'm doing relationship group counseling where I have a group of men that get together mm -hmm. uh, who have experienced relationship problems and those who have kind of uh, recovered from that and have had bonded and have healthy, harmonious relationships. Right, because that stuff's hard too. Like, Yeah. Especially if you do, if you, I don't know, it's hard to understand women sometimes like, or what your part, or not even women, just whoever your partner is, like, yeah, we don't communicate enough. You yeah, know? it's like, yeah. So that's good. You're doing that. Yeah. So it, a lot of it, and you know, it's all about looking and staying in my lane. You know, I could look at the other parties as much as I want to, and whether or not there's some issues there, mm -hmm. you know, great. But guess what? I can't change anyone except for me. Right. So. You know, I do therapy every week, um, a couple different kinds. You know, I see, you know, 
I've got a spiritual advisor too. Dude, I, I think that's huge. I mean, you know what I what I really want to do is I don't want to carry the same behavior that caused my last relationships to fail uh-huh. to be carried into my to my next relationship, and I think right. that would be doing a very a very big disservice to the people that have given me their time and their love and attention in my past. Right. You know, if I didn't take that and use it to help myself, you know? I mean, that is so huge of a lesson to learn, I think, is like every time we get out of a... Like, even when you talk about a band relationship, like... Yep, exactly. It's like if I looked back at, like, my band and I'm like, well, all the problems were them. It was all them. I'm a fucking saint. It wasn't my fault. Like... What do I learn? Nothing. Nothing. You know what I'm saying? just carry that load into... I actually feel bad for people that do that. Like, they always make the other person the villain. They never look at their own behaviors and actions because then they never get better. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's the whole point is getting better. Like you said, now the next time I want to be a better person because maybe maybe this was my fault. Maybe parts of it were my fault. Maybe... You know what I'm saying? But a lot of people can't do that. Man, it's a it, it is a painful experience. I'll tell you, like all of this therapy, you know, in and like I said, coming from a very strenuous last couple months, mm-hmm. um, to be able to do this work, it's almost like you're causing yourself more pain on top of it. Because you have to open all the shit up. Because you do, yeah. So it's almost like I'm in a surgery. I, I use this analogy all the time. I'm in surgery, and what they originally came in to get, you know, that cancer, you know, that's whatever's inside in of there. me, whatever's in there. Guess what? They just found out a whole much, a whole mess more. Yeah, right? and it's all like it's almost like it's all in there, healed over. And now you got to rip it open again Ex- to get to it, exactly. right? So it's going to be painful every time. It's going to be painful. And then here's the worst part of it, right? When you Have you gotten surgery before? Yes. Okay. Well, you go through surgery. That's not really the painful part, right? You're under anesthesia, right? Yeah. They're going through it. What's the most painful part? After you get sewn up or whatever and healing. you go home. It's yeah. the healings. And then it's the wanting to go to the gym, but you can't. You're like, yeah. fuck. Yeah. 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 So I'm at that point where I'm, I I don't know. I still might be in the surgery process Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because there's still a lot that I'm uncovering. Right. Yes. But you're able to talk about it. Yeah. Because I've been so, I've been such a secret, you know? And you know that it's going to help other people. And that's what I'm hoping for at least. Right. You know, I mean, I think it does, dude. And I think it's like we learn, like, I, not to go, but I relate everything to freaking music here now because we've been talking about it. But yeah, no. If you look at our heroes, like, like I'm thinking about James Hetfield again. Like he had to go to therapy, like, in like 2000 or whatever when the band broke up, and he had to go get help with alcoholism and all this stuff, and like, you know, and then he like relapsed once and like almost 20 years later and he had to go back in but it's like there's certain people that will look at him now and he's so open and he talks so freely about his feelings and his emotions and and 
like they'll view him as like, oh, what a pussy, you know, like I miss the old Hetfield and all that. It's like to me, I like view him now as the strongest version he is because he's able to like talk about this stuff. Absolutely. And he's been able to like heal all. I mean, that dude's had all kinds of stuff happen, you know, as the Christian scientist thing where like his mom got cancer, but she didn't believe in their family, didn't believe in medicine because it was Christian scientists or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's some sort of religion. I don't know yeah. much about it, but yeah. you're not allowed to take medication or anything or go to the doctor. So we had to watch his mom die of cancer when she could have survived help. if she yeah. would have went and got help. And Not necessarily survived, but possibly. Well, possibly could, survived, yeah. I guess. Yeah, yeah. But so he's had a lot of stuff go on and he just kind of bottled it up, walled it up. But like now he's like, post-therapy Hatfield and he's so open like he's even telling the fans one night about like you know sometimes I get so like imposter syndrome again like like so scared to play because it's like can I still keep doing this like being this guy for you guys and he admits that he even has days where he doesn't know if he can be James Hatfield for everybody you know it's a lot but so it's like I think the vulnerability honestly makes him more endearing and it helps people So, I mean, to me, I think it's a good thing. Yeah, I mean, there's parts of me, obviously, the ego that doesn't like to be open about it because it's like there's that stigmatism. How are people going to view me, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Especially if it's like, you know, I want to find a relationship someday. And it's like, how is someone else going to view me knowing that I'm fucked up? (laughs) You know, but the reality is is you know if you think about hetfield or anyone who's on a huge platform who's very vulnerable about what they've been through right you know these are people that we look up to and think oh this person has superpowers but in actuality they're just a human being they're just a human being mm-hmm. now you know i'll put this out there too if there's anyone listening to this that is going through a hard time. Like, I know that there's all of these posts, right? Like, especially with, you heard about Twitch. I don't know if you actually knew who that was. No. But there was a, you know, one of the DJs on Ellen, you know, that Ellen DeGeneres. Yeah, show. yeah. He he had committed suicide. Committed suicide, okay. And what he is and what, you know, how he's oh, always. Oh, his name was Twitch. Yeah. That's right. So I was thinking of the platform Twitch. I'm like, what? oh no, 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 no. Yeah, they, I did hear about that. Now, if you see him and the way that he's always been portrayed in the public eye, he's always been happy, funny, very right. positive. Right. Right. Um, well, I think that about Chris Cornell. I'm like, how? Yeah. He seems so far past all that. Oh my gosh. You know, he's an elder statesman in music. He has his family. He has his shit together. If, he, never, if, if that would have happened when he was younger, maybe, or like, I never, I saw, never saw that coming. Yeah, I never saw it with Andy Bourdain either, you know? No, no. Um, now, here's the thing, to, um, to the outside looking in, you know, or from the outside looking in, if you would have judged who I was and what Frankie is off of a public profile, right? Like, I'm sure you didn't think about two months ago, just a short two months ago, three months ago, that I was on websites looking at the most effective way to take my life. No, because I had no idea. Yeah. Yeah. Because, it, and it's it's hard to, to come clean with. And I guess the big reason why I talk about this, too, is that, you know, um, there's a lot of people that are out there that are just say, like, just get help. Just talk about it. It's not always that easy, you know, because mm-hmm. I actually did reach out to people for help this time around. Right. Um, 
And the reason why we don't is because... Is it, is it like a feeling of not wanting to be a burden to people? Or it's like... not. Yeah, it's the, the feeling of not wanting to be a burden. And the reality is, is that a lot of people don't understand depression, you know. And mm-hmm. um, God, I hate to use the word that people will fail you. But well, that's... also it's like uh, these people, like they're so caught up in their own lives exactly. too. It's hard to find somebody that's going to actually like. Or even know, be able to relate to what you're talking about. Exactly. You know, like, exactly. And and like you said, like most people probably view you as this really strong person. So they're like, well, what do you mean? You know, like they wouldn't, you know, they might not know how severe it is or like. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's not going to be just one person, right? That's going to help you. Mm-hmm. Um, but. You know, I'm just going to put myself out there. If you guys have my Instagram, which I'm sure uh, Nikki will share here, but it's uh, at Frankie Arcega. Uh, so my first and last name. Yep. It's my IG handle. Shoot me a DM. If I don't fucking know you, I don't care. You know, just uh-huh. like just reach out, you know, tell me you're feeling a, a, a certain way. Now, here's the thing. Am I going to be able to solve your problem? No. Right. Am mm-hmm. I going to be able to get you out of your dark place? No. Okay. Um, the reality is no one was able to fix what I was going through, but just knowing, you know, that people were there at times. Yep. yep. That you um, had somebody to talk to. Yeah. And then, you know, I also had to not keep myself a secret. You know, one of my friends, Chris, he's, he's one of my spiritual mentors, a great man, older guy. You know, I remember him talking to me one day. And he's like, hey, so how's it going? I'm like, not so good. He's like, you home alone right now? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, well, get out of there. You're in there with a crazy person. Yeah, <laughs> you know? that's hilarious. Yeah. That is true. Though. That's what it's like when your brain's beating you up. Like, yeah. And it, here's the thing. We want to isolate. We want to be in the place where it's the most dangerous for us. Mm-hmm. Now, going back to that book, right, about traumas. Yeah. And repeated behaviors. Repeated behaviors lead to the same experiences. The same experiences lead to the same circumstances. It's a repetitive cycle of behavior. Mm-hmm. Now, the opposing way of how to actually help yourself, whether it's trauma you're facing, whether it's these repeated patterns that always cause you to go into a depressive state or suicide, there's actually a way to rewire your neural pathways. Mm-hmm. And that's through new experiences. Yes. Right? So there's books out there. There's a lot of research done on this that um, new experiences create these new neural pathways. And, of course, the more you repeat that behavior, the more that it, it, strength- cements it, in, it yeah. strengthens it. Right? So you create these new experiences, these new, um, yeah, these new experiences with yourself. Now, can you always do that? Is that sustainable? In a way, right? Mm-hmm. But it's, I think the biggest thing is just not falling into, is not necessarily keep on doing the new experience, but to avoid doing the things that get you to where that leads you into that. Right. You're like, I always think of it as like, don't be that old you, like that old you wants you to like, it wants (laughs) to like suck you back in, you know, like. So if you're trying to create a new you, you have to like 
do the things the new you does and don't do the things. <laughs> it sounds weird, but it's like... No, it's the truth. I feel like our brains really are very programmable. Yeah. Um, and I think you're right. Like, I even saw somebody posted this video about, like, like the power of even, like, moving to a different place. Mm-hmm. It, like, unlocks all this genetic potential because, like, sometimes we get so... When we're in a place too long, we just get really complacent. Mm-hmm. And then the, the the moving to a new place is hard. So it's like, because even when I moved here, dude, it was like destruction of me and rebuilding myself. And I'm still my old self. Like I still have all those parts, but I had to rebuild myself yeah. into a new version of me that was able to handle like living here and all the new. So I feel like there's, you're right. It's like new things. I don't know what how it works, but yeah, I mean, and at the same, you know, with the new experiences, the repeated experience of new experience strengthens those neural pathways. Again, the opposing too. If you keep on repeating the same negative behaviors, right. guess, guess what? That's that's why it's so strong, and that's why it's so hard to break those patterns because that's what you're used to mm-hmm. now. That's why addiction's so hard, I think. Exactly. It's not always just the chemical hook, I don't think. Mm-hmm. It's just the behavior. Yeah. So like the cigarette, it's like the the culture that comes with it, the going outside, the sometimes those are as hard to break as the actual chemical addiction. One hundred percent. Yeah. It's um you know, it, it is you know, it, I, I hear this saying, you walk a mile into the forest, you gotta walk a mile out. Yeah. Okay. So guess what? So that's like bad behavior, <laughs> going back into the bad behaviors. Yeah. If you're doing a, a like, let's say you're doing a bad behavior for a year. Okay. Mm. And all of a sudden, you know, man, I've been trying to get out of this bad behavior. Well, how long have you been trying? Oh, a couple weeks, month. Okay. But it took you this many years to get here. It's yeah, going to take. Yeah. Well, it's like if you say a person who's in shape decides to like get completely out of shape. Yep. And does it for over a year. Like, it's going to take you, like, two years to get back to where you were. Exactly. It's not going to happen, like, fast. Now, you you can expedite the process, obviously, the more intensive work you do. Right. right? We we could probably do it a little faster, maybe, because of some of the general knowledge we have, but it'd still be hard. Yeah. It'd still be hard. But that's how it would work for anyone, essentially. Right. Right? Some guy used to be so fit. Been out of shape for 10 years, Wasn't there a guy that did that, like got out of shape just to prove he could get back in shape? Yeah, I think it was that guy from... uh, And he got really out. Yeah, Fit to Fat is like some YouTube guy um, because he wanted to show it was possible. You know, that has health consequences. It does in a way. Even that McDonald's, that dude that oh, did that yeah. documentary. Yeah, the Super Size Me one. Yeah, or like remember when Stallone did Copland and he got really fat? Oh, man. And he said it actually fucked his health up for a number of years. Just yeah. From, yeah. Obviously, yeah. I mean, you, you know, when you get older, too, you have more of a risk of going into diabetes. Right. It's going to be tougher to get back in shape the older you are, too. Mm-hmm. But if you maintain it, it's gonna you can keep it longer. Yeah. But um, in regards to, hey, if, if you want to get healthy, yeah, you can do it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, anybody can do yeah, it. Yeah, anyone can do it. And guess what? The more work you put into it the more progress you're going to get. So that's why I'm doing all of this intensive work on myself because guess what? Is it going to take some time? Yes, I imagine that it will. Mm -hmm. I imagine that it's work that's also not going to, it's not something that 
I just achieve over a certain amount of time. It's something that I'll continually have to work on for the rest of my life. So similar to working out in the gym, the mental doing what you're doing is the same type of thing. It's 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 takes a lot of work to get where you need to be and you're going to have to do maintenance on it for the rest of your life. It doesn't ever Yeah, and I hate to say it because that's probably going to freak people out. Well, I think people have this weird idea that you just like do something and you get to a certain spot in something and then you're Life's just rainbows and fairy tales after that. It's like, like people think that about fitness all the time. Like, well, I just get here and then I'm fit. And then it's just, no, no, you have to maintain that. That's like, why I love the fitness analogy. Yeah, because the brain is the same way. Or like trying to be mentally healthier. Like, I mean, even me, I've, I've learned so many things where throughout the years where I know what I need to do to keep myself on the path I need to be. And I will see myself slipping at times. But I know what I'm like. Oh, you're doing this thing again. And just get back to this. Don't don't go down that. Don't go down that road. Don't go down. You know, like you get better at it as you do it more. Now let's talk about that for a minute because yeah. I love how you said. Oh, there are moments when I slip. Oh yeah. Right. That's that's guess what, guys? That's human nature. Yeah. Right. You will fucking fall, and you will fall a lot, and some days you'll fall for more days than you're you know that but you're don't give at. up but don't give up and i mean that's so easy to say sometimes because again there have been multiple times in my life where i've wanted to give up especially again in the past few months yeah just shortly where i literally was like i can't do this i can't mm-hmm. do this you what know? was it that got you through that um so the biggest thing i would have to say is um illumination and what i mean by illumination is being completely vulnerable and honest Mm -hmm. with where i'm at with multiple people so light is the um so bringing light to the situation so illuminating it so talking about it yep so you'll hear a couple things like your secrets keep you sick right if you keep that internalized right right, um think about a black think about black mold think about cancer where does it survive? Right in the dark. In the dark. Yeah. Yeah. So if I illuminate that. Now, hey, guess what? If I just tell you, Nikki, right? Mm-hmm. Guess what? Yeah, that's good and all, but you can't carry that. But you're still carrying it all over. Yeah, and you can't carry that by yourself, right? Frankie feels it like he's in a dark place. I Because now you're asking other people to carry it with their see your secret too, or yeah, or keep or that, whatever you want to say. You, like you can't just carry that load for me. So well, guess what? If I disperse it along a number of people, right? Mm-hmm. Guess what? That load starts to get carried. Now there might be a few of you out there that may think that you have no one. Guess what? I felt that way too. But you'd be surprised. Who will help you if you allow yourself to get the help, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I will tell you the most random people and the most, like, people that I've never really been that close with Yeah, are the people that carried me over these past couple months. Really? Yeah, man. Like, um, it's it's crazy, you know? Like, I'll, I'll just name drop a couple people. You know, but, um, and I'm, I, you know, I'm going to be forgetting people. So people that I don't mention, don't get offended. Right. 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 It's not about that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, look at, um, you're still with Renovation Fitness, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
Shout out Renovation. Shout out to Renovation. Hey. Yes. <laughs> Our coaches, Jordan and Kimberly. Yeah. You know, um, Kimberly was such a big light, you know, for mm-hmm. me. But I, the reason I mention this is because there is a period for certain people, right? She can't carry that load by herself, nor is she going to be able to be that for me. You know, people right. come into your life in specific periods for that period mm-hmm. for a reason, right? Yep. So. Maybe it was like her at one point, then it gets passed off to um, someone else, right? And mm-hmm. it could be little glimpses of light, right? Right. Um, you know, I had a friend, you know, who I randomly met at um, one of the gyms I work out at, um, which is the Hop in Kirkland. Yeah. Know? Yeah, I met um, this, one of their That trainers. place is pretty dope. It's yeah. great, yeah. Um, great people, but, you know, there's... Uh, Rosalie, uh, who's one of the trainers there, like didn't know her, but she was so helpful. You know, I remember you had Tiana in here. Yeah, you know? she was great too. Yeah, and I remember we just had a little snippet. I didn't quite tell her what was happening, but she was like so great with, "Hey, I'm gonna be praying for you." Well, she's been through some shit too. Yeah, you know, like she's she, been yeah. an eating disorder, and like so, I think she's been in some dark places herself so she you know what i loved sorry to cut you off about her whole thing with you is she says i write paragraphs to people because i don't know if i'm going to have the opportunity to do that tomorrow yeah which is crazy to me you know that is crazy but it's like when we were talking i was talking with a a a friend of mine uh, my old wrestling promoter and we were talking about like if you knew that you only had like like you had some disease and you knew you only had a month to live like think of this stuff like you'd want to tell everybody how much they meant to you yeah. and it's like well what if we just did that anyway you know what i mean like without like feeling like we're gonna die you know like and so as she was saying like she does that i'm like that's amazing i and i can attest to that yeah that it's true <laughs> you know right. like every time it's like maybe i might write one or two words to her and she'll just have this heartfelt response yeah, she seems really kind of wise beyond her years. You totally. Know, like, totally. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah, she was cool. Um, I wish I could say I could do that, and I try to. But, man, my my pattern of behavior is I take people for granted, you know? Mm-hmm. Shitty to say. So if you're beating yourself up out there thinking that that's you, um, you know, man, I feel it. Mm-hmm. And it's so, like... It's so hard to live with that inner roommate sometimes, that inner voice that just wants to beat you up. Oh, yeah. You know? That's like, you can't get away from it. Oh, yeah. So, but... I always tell people, don't listen to that fucker. Like, yeah. You know, it's like... Because uh, I even have some friends that, like, they're always so, like, negative towards themselves and stuff. And I'm like, don't believe that voice. Yeah. Like, that voice is lying to you. Like, you're... You're killing it. You're doing amazing. But, you know, it's hard. Like you said, when people are depressed, they don't see it. Man, that inner dialogue, I mean, it could come out of nowhere. And it's so hard to just ignore. And it's it's ruthless. It's ruthless. Yeah. Now, there's this book called The Untethered Soul. I don't know if you've heard of it. No. Um, I forgot who wrote It's Michael Singer, I think. I do love reading, though, so I will, I will take these. Uh, yeah, yeah, man. So Untethered Soul was a great one. I think it's that one or either The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. But I think it's Untethered Soul that talks about the inner roommate, right? Yeah. And 
how it's constantly talking to you and talking shit to you, right? Yeah. And it's saying the worst stuff ever. And you believe like it. Like stuff you would never say to even your enemy. Exactly. Yeah. Yet, if, let's say it's some random person that's talking shit about you. You'd be like, street, whatever. You'd be like, whatever. Fuck you, man. Yeah, fuck you, you wouldn't listen to him, right? No. So why would we listen to that lying voice? Yeah, and it's not even really us. It's just like. It's what they call the ego. Right? It's the ego. The ego wants to keep you safe. Yeah. So it basically wants you to, I don't know. And it's it's a complicated subject, the ego. It is. What do you think about the ego? You're talking about it in the sense of psychology. Man. Because I think having an ego can be good. It, it is good. There's some good and bad in the ego. Yeah. But it's also the thing that will hold you back. Yeah. Um, you know... A lot of those books, again, like uh, Richard Rohr, Richard, or a lot of authors, Richard Rohr, Eckhart Tolle, Michael Singer, uh, they they do focus a lot on that talk of the ego and the, mm-hmm. the false narrative that it provides. Um, oh, I know, it's stupid. What do I think about it? Ah, man, it's so hard because I want to believe it sometimes. You know, like not just in the times where it's talking shit to me but where it's telling you you're the shit or or there are times where it's like it tells me that circumstances should be different oh yeah yeah like no frankie like it's okay to be sad about this because you are supposed to have that job or you are supposed to be with that person right you know and like you're like yeah i should be you know and like and that's not necessary so for example like um Let's use something that's not so personal to me. So I'm not looking for a job right now, right? Happy with where I'm at. Okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But let's say the ego says, yeah, that you're supposed to have that job. And that job aligns with my values, aligns with my, my virtues, my core ethics, right? Mm-hmm. Everything. And for some reason, it's just something that's not happening, right? right. And I'm so hung up on that as, you know... And maybe it's, it's maybe the reason I'm not getting it is because someone less qualified is the potential. Oh, that would be it. so frustrating. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but um, man, I don't know. It's it's tough. They always say that like that's how you push things away though. Mm-hmm. Is like expecting things or like you know what I'm saying? That's like what pushes them away from you. Mm-hmm. Like you just open your yeah. Like they always say you need to open yourself up to things and then. They'll come to you. Or, like, there was one, like, about, like, uh, if you want butterflies, you don't run after them and chase them. You, like, build a garden and they'll come to you. Like, you have to build the garden. So, like, and it's the same way of attracting things you want or people you want. You have to work on the you. Exactly. You can't go out and, like, force them. You have to, like, make yourself, you know, it's it's putting in work to you, yeah. and then you attract the things that you want. It's, it's but if you think you deserve them, sometimes that comes off as like arrogant, and you push them away, right? Dude, like, and it, you might not even physically be doing it with that person or that thing. This might be all mental. But it's also, you know, here we're talking about vibrations in the universe. It's the vibes, dude. It's the vibes, yeah. man. Because here's the thing: um, I had a recent experience where I was just like. You know, things just weren't happening, and then yeah, I just kind of let go a bit, and obviously things started like coming to me. You right know, when you let go of the control, sometimes yeah. Dude. Here, I'm going to use this as an example. Here, yeah, here, there's 
I use. I saw this this monk. I hope you can. I hold this by the cord. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. So, here's this pair of headphones, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, you guys on the microphone can't see this, but those of you that are watching, watching this they can, can see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So, what happens when I pull this closer to me? Right. The it further goes, it goes away from you. Right. Yeah. But what happens when I push it away? It comes back to it, you. It comes back to me. Well, it's right? even like that old analogy of like, if you love something, set it free. You know, like, oh, man. Because it's true. You know what I mean? Like, you, you, the more you try to control something, the more you push it away from you. Absolutely. Because, like, I've even had that with my mom where she gets, like, so, like, controlling and stuff. And it's like, mom, you just got to, like, let it go. What do you got? A cube? Yeah, Some a cube gum, of wintergreen. I wanted that, some of that chew, but yeah. Oh yeah, that's good stuff. (laughs) I don't know, dude. But yeah, it's just a growing thing. It's like, and it's always it's just it's something that we're always gonna battle with. It's like that uh, Metallica has that Hatfield has that line. It's like love is control. I'll die if I let go. You know, it's like love because that's he he had to learn that that love is not control. Yeah, I mean. It's the opposite, right? It's the opposite. It's kind of like letting people be who I don't know. they are. Like when I find somebody and I want to be with somebody, I want somebody that I don't want to be with anyone that's like too codependent. I want us both to have like our own goals and then build something together. Sure. You know, I don't want to, I don't know. It's almost like if you have, you know, and this analogy is used a lot, right? With the whole, if you have a flower that's not doing so well, let's say the leaves are wilting and. You know, mm-hmm. what do you do, right? You don't you don't fix the flower, right? right? There's nothing you can do to that. It's controlling the environment, right? Right. By watering it, making mm-hmm. sure the soil is healthy. And that's what you got to do with yourself, sunlight. right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, uh, man, it's, it's so difficult, though. You just never know, you know. And well, it's kind of the thing, too, about you also never know what somebody's going through. Absolutely. Which kind of goes to your thing about kindness. That's why I'm always like trying to be kind. Like, I mean, even like me, I work at that bar on the weekends, and it's like I just l- listen to this thing about some of the unhappiest jobs are like, you know, like bankers, lawyers, tech job, anything sitting at a desk. And I'm like, shit, no wonder these people are like that. I'm so I'm like, so I got to be kind to these people. Like, they're they're like have like a lot of them are like from the tech world, and like I don't know, it's a tough. And, you know, I, I tell you what, you're at a desk, like, you know, you're with you. Is your desk, is your desk, yours a desk job? Yeah, I work from home. I just started a new job. Yeah, but they, that ago. same, that same thing I was listening to said that studies showed that work from home actually makes people much happier. Yeah, I don't, you is know. Is that weird? Or do you like the office better? Man, I think it's, I think I, I enjoy both of them for different reasons. Right. But I don't have an office to go to. My my corporate office is in Pittsburgh. So oh, so you're here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm here to stay. But I'm so thankful for my work from home job right now. Right. And, um, you know, here's the thing again. Like, it, it's all perception and how you view things. So, you know, I was starting this new job and everything was kind of falling apart. And I'm like, why does it have to be falling apart during the time that I'm starting a new gig. Because I had to be way hard. Where it should be like a good time. This should be like a time where I should rejoice and like be able to celebrate this new venture. Yeah. You know? Because it's a good job probably. You probably should be, 
you felt like, oh, I, I should be able to be happy about this. I should this. be happy. So I thing. should be able to share it with the people I care about, you know. Now, that's the way I was viewing it at the time. But then is that something you start beating yourself up again? Like, yeah. I should be this or I should I be. I should be. Like, it's almost like you never should say that to yourself, right? Like, yeah. Um, I forgot. I uh, Someone close to me said you should eliminate the word should, should and need i think yeah yeah i should have been better at this by now because then you're just beating yourself up oh. or i should have been this yeah yeah and anyways i started that job thinking all of these thoughts and then here i am a few months later mm-hmm. right looking back again here's living life forward and understanding it backwards yeah you know because my perspective at that time was negative right mm-hmm. looking at it as a pessimist or the glass half empty yeah now when i look back at it i'm so thankful that i started the job when i did because going through that moment in my life those circumstances that i was dealing with if i was going through that with my old job i probably would have been fired or something right now having this new job everything was still so fresh so i didn't have much work to do Mm-hmm. Um, my, you know, so things were slow. I was just really getting used to the systems, which allowed me to feel my feelings. Right. You know? Well, I, cause I know I've been through a breakup once where I was like, it really can affect your job. Like mm-hmm. you're at work, but you're like not there mentally, yeah. you know? Yeah. So it, yeah, man, shit. But it was, um, yeah. So lots of. Lots of, lots of good stuff, man. We talked about some good stuff. Today. So what? How are you at? How are you feeling now? You seem like in a good spot now. Oh man, um, but still putting in a lot of work. It's still a painful process. Yeah, yeah. I'm putting in a lot of work, and uh, you know, it's not like it doesn't get hard. You yeah, know? it's always going to be hard, right? Um, no, not necessarily. You know, um, I've had some great experiences that I just. You know, I'm so lucky to have had the chance to experience over the past month or two. Yeah. Know? But it is constant work, and I still have my moments, you know? But it's like you're definitely going to end up a stronger you. Yeah, that's at least the hope, right? You know, well, I mean, it's like kind of your only option, right? You know, it's funny because I tell people, and I wholeheartedly believe this, right? Yeah. Hey, guess what? Everything that you're going through right now, if it's shitty, it's happening for you. Right. Right. To bring it's it's happening for your highest good, right? Yeah, I end up looking back and being so grateful for shitty things that happen to me. Yeah, it's like uh, the best present in shitty gift wrap. Yeah. Right? Or like you said, like you don't like that 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 analogy of the horse that what Yeah. Like there's things where I've wanted certain things and then not gotten them and I look back and I'm like, thank you. God, that didn't happen for me. Or you're like, I'm so glad I'm not with that person. <laughs> like, you know, you're like, shit, what was I thinking? Or like, man, I tell you what, I, yeah. Or you've gotten the thing that you've wanted, and, and then you're, you're just, empty, and it like literally just is the oh, worst. It's the worst thing. thing. It's like I didn't want this at all. I just thought I did. Yeah. yeah. Um, I find that sometimes too, where you reach and reach and reach for things, and you get them, and it's like never enough. and it's like then you want more and more and more and so then you're never happy with the thing you have and 
like you're chasing this dragon and it's like so for me i found you just have to like choose to be for myself anyway i just have to like choose to be happy the seven deadly sins yeah you know greed right yeah wanting like, more want always wanting more that's that i mean that's a thing yeah. and you know whether you like to admit it or not people that are listening okay i know you experience it too oh we all do Human we all nature. do yeah that's why they're there, right? That's why there's competition. That's why there's clout. That's why there's all these things. It's humans. Humans have this innate thing of wanting to like, oh yeah, achieve or compete or like. But it's like it's good. It's good that you have people to reach out to because I feel like that too. Like, it's always good to have friends that are like real with you. Yeah. Like, for me, like, I have some really good friends that like they don't let me kind of like. I don't know, just like if I'm, they don't let me bullshit them or myself. Mm. And I think that's good to have friends because like, I don't want to bullshit myself. It's good. I mean, it's, that's why it's always good to have multiple people, right? Yeah, yeah. Because you need kind of a little bit of everything. Right, or if you talk to the wrong person and they maybe have an outlook on life that's toxic because they haven't had things go right in their life or they haven't achieved the things they wanted or like, you know, like, Hey, I have this dream of doing this thing. Like, Oh, you'll never do that. That's stupid. You're dumb. (laughs) Like you don't want that person. You don't want that. You don't want to you know what I'm saying? Like, there's always like, you gotta be. So I think it's good to run things by numerous people, have different opinions and also trust your own opinion too. You know? Yeah. And that's, yeah, that one's tough because (laughs) I'm at that point and I'm personally, I'm just going to talk mm-hmm. vulnerably and open with myself. Yes. Like, I can't trust myself, you know? That's why I have, right. that's why I have to run it by people. Right. At least, you know, there, well, are t- there, there are times where I can, you know? I think if I'm questioning what I'm doing, I should probably talk to someone about it. Right, because it's that other voice again. Yep. Like, that's still in there with you, yeah. you know? Now, if I'm like... You know, it's almost like that saying, like, it, you don't always know what's right, but you always know what's wrong, mm-hmm. you know? Or maybe if you're questioning whether you're doing it, it's probably not the right thing or you should get an outside perspective from it. Right. You know, so I, I'm always, I'm, I do this thing. So a group of my guy friends, uh, we have something called a group conscious. Yeah. You know, or group conscience. Sorry. No, that's good. Where it's like, hey, if there's something that you're thinking that is a significant life choice or maybe something that can impact another person Mm -hmm. or significantly impact your life in some way or another, maybe it might not seem so significant. Yeah. But run it by three people. Right. So three people. And, you know, maybe you might get corresponding answers from all three of them or maybe... You get, like, the majority vote, you know? Mm -hmm. But it's like having a group conscience. Yeah. Now, you don't have to take that. You know, you don't have to take the suggestion or the advice. Yeah. But at least you have an outside perspective. I think it's so good, too, for, like, men to have that. Because I feel like we run the risk of, like, you know, not being able to talk about vulnerable things or feelings or, like... And then so many men end up, like, alone at the end of their life. Like, it's not the same. Like, women definitely are better about talking and having friendships. And, like, sometimes it's hard. Like, men don't do it. 
It's funny. So, did was that was that on a Joe Rogan podcast where he's like, maybe it wasn't that, but I I heard this recently where when guys get together, yeah, right, typical guys getting together, it's usually they're in front of a TV, they're eating food and watching not, a game, yeah, and they're not something. looking at each other, right? Yeah, they don't want to talk about feelings. When like... women actually physically go out to lunch and they're <laughs> usually face to face looking they're at like, each well, other. How are you? Like they'll even touch each other. Like, yeah. They're making eye contact. We're like, bro, don't be weird. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's we're like, guys like what we're doing right now, we're making eye contact. Right? right. And that's why I love this podcast, dude. It's it's like one of the 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 first time in many years where I get to like and I was intimidated to do it at first because I had started this with my friend I thought I was always gonna have a buffer of one other guy and he was gonna be funny and it was gonna be comedy all the time uh, but I was like scared I'm like I just have to do it myself because he ended up not being able to do it or whatever yeah and the thing I found that I enjoy the most about it is like just connecting with people again like where you actually get locked in you're locked in with the phones our phones, for the most part, are down. We're not on them. Yeah. You actually are talking with people, and it's like, at our age, dude. Like, I forget how old you are again. I'm uh, 29 for the. What is that? So same year as in me. a row. Okay, no, same kidding. as me. So I'm we're, 41. Yeah. We're, we're very similar in age. Yeah, I'm yeah. 41. I'm going for my master's pro card here. So, dude, that's dope. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but like you said, it's like 41, but best shape of your life, right? Well, maybe not right now. Not right now, <laughs> technically, but you know what I'm saying. It's bulking like, season, but yeah, no, I'm good. But but you know what I mean. It's like, it's like no. Even if it took you that long to figure shit out, like at least you're doing it now, right? Like, Man. and you're still figuring stuff out. But I guess uh, it's a very humbling experience. Now shit. Now I lost my point. I was like, people our age, something phones, putting them down. Right. Well, just not making I think, connections. I think. My point was going to be people our age, it is definitely harder to make connections and make friends. Yeah. When you're a kid, it's so natural. Yeah. You're just like, oh, hey, you know, like your parents take you over. Oh, this is so-and-so here. We're going to go get drunk with their parents. You guys stay here with the babysitter. Now you're like best friends. Like it's so much, it's different when you get older to like make real friendships because we don't do a lot of this. And I think you're right. Men, usually it's like you don't really do that. You know, you're like you said, you're watching a game together or you're in the bar drinking. Yeah. Yeah. And here's the thing. People are constantly in fear or scared of the uncomfortability. Right. Right. So when I tell people, Hey, reach out to me, or if you're feeling a certain way, like illuminate it. And they're right. like, well, I don't have anyone to talk to yeah, you you probably don't because you're not used to it. But tell you what, reach out to someone and just tell someone. Just tell some random person, right? That's so valuable. It's like now he's like now you may be like, well, I don't want to do that because they're a random person. I don't know them. Well, kind of what I did, and I'm not anything special, man. Like, right. you know, when I started reaching out to people, I was like. Okay, this is really awkward for me to do, mm -hmm. you know, but I'm just giving you a call to let you know where I'm at. And I just didn't have anyone to reach out to. Right. You know, guess what? But it helps. <laughs> well, you know what's weird? Kind of in my thought process was this was the reaction I thought I was going to get. Why are you calling me? Yeah. Like, 
who are you? Get the fuck away from uh, me, you fucking weirdo. That's what you were worried about? That's what, you know, these are the fears that crop up, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's what the inner voice is telling us was is going to happen. Right? right. But people are like, man, I'm so sorry you're going through this. I'm glad you reached out to me. Yeah. You know? Um, you know, and I had some conversations that were very surface level, you know, but the more people I called, yeah. okay, the bigger this circle got. Right. And I just started, you know, there's lots of, so I ended up getting professional help too. Right. You know? mm-hmm. I like groups, which is good. Yeah. I, I mean, there was, I, I, so if you think that calling a hotline and being hospitalized is uh, something you don't want to go down, well, I tell you what, um, if you want to really change and um, you're serious about, wanting a better life you know you don't have to be miserable right mm-hmm. and it might be uncomfortable to do that but that's what happened to me that's what i had to do but I, you're right it's that fear of being uncomfortable yeah and i mean i've even been trying to learn that with like um networking and all that stuff like or even like doing this podcast it's like so many people just are scared of being uncomfortable and it's wow. like like you said that you can't really that's like the first step, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I just feel like, yeah, and I don't know. People are very worried about what other people think of them sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, once you, like you said, if you said like illuminate, like you're basically saying sunlight is the, it's like a saying I've heard before. but it's, I can't, Yeah, you're thinking about that Albert Einstein saying, right? Like sunlight is the disinfectant or like, I can't remember what it is. So, um it, it's um yeah it's it's that that I don't I know the saying you're thinking about I can't think but of it right now. Albert Einstein says without light there can be no dark and without dark there can be no light right that's a great thing too I mean we... so in order to offset the darkness you need light right it's kind of what that saying well is. the other thing I was thinking is like once you basically shine light on stuff, and you've kind of been vulnerable. It's like, I mean, what can people do? Like, it's already out there. Mm-hmm. They can't, they have nothing. Like, you, if I'm t- talking about people that are worried about, like, oh, if people can use something against them or, like, they're worried about how people will view them. But it's kind of like, that's like the ultimate, having the ultimate power is, like, once you've just been totally free and honest about this is what I am, this is who I am, and... Like what you can't really nobody can really do much to you then yeah because it's like it's all out there like this is this is what it is. Well, let me ask you a question, and most people answer this. Actually, I've never had anyone answer this the the other way. And yeah. when I say the other way, you're like, wait, what are you talking about? Well, if you had, um, you know, or there's two type of people. Which people do you actually respect and? like to hang around with more are they the people that are fully authentic that are completely themselves that are letting it all hang out Mm -hmm. or is it that person who's just trying to act the way that you think you want that they think you want them to? dude i like the authentic yeah right even when i get like people in here that have different opinions of me about certain things i love it because it's like they're being themselves yeah and and even if they're like you know like 
I don't know, like, they're just, like, kind of, like, see things a certain way, and it's like, this is how it is. I'm like, at least they're being themselves, you know? Like, it's, I'd rather be around that, like. So let's talk about people we don't like, right, that are out on public platforms um, who are being fully authentic. Uh, you know what? Can you really hate them that much for being who they are, right? I mean, I love it. Yeah. I love authentic people, dude. I like comedians. I like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's just, like... I don't know. I just value that more. Now, if they're doing bad things, then guess what? You That's different. You don't have to like them, you know. Well, at least you know who they are. Yeah, though. but at least you know who the who they are. Right. Yeah. It's like if somebody hates me, I'd rather like kind of know that they hate me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Than than like have them pretend hate, hate or hate me for me rather than hate me for who they think or like I am. me for somebody I'm not really that yeah. I'm pretending to be. Yeah. Right. Hundred percent. Yeah. yeah, and that's where that imposter syndrome comes in, right? Where it's like, if I'm going to pretend to be someone else, and that's why I started talking more about, you know, these mental health things. You know, I, I went on Mark's live IG, you know, Mark's and Diane's yes, live IG. Yes, he's prolific with that. Dude, man, he's just... I told him, I'm like, dude, I want you to start putting these on YouTube, though, and you could turn this into a podcast if he... <laughs> If he knew what he was doing, he's like, oh, that's too much work. I'm like, yeah, it would be a lot of work. I mean, I mean it's pretty much he's doing it already. He just needs well, to upload it. That's right? what I was saying. I'm like, if you just save the video and then you upload it to YouTube and I can show you how to upload it to Spotify, Apple, iTunes, you already have the audio. I mean, just the, these the are public. podcasts, yeah. basically. You yeah. know, like he could do it. Yeah, but, you know. He's that, a busy guy, though. That was the first time I went public with. Talking things. about some of these things. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, and I. So I talked about a couple months ago, but, you know, my story, I mean, obviously it starts from the time I was born, but I failed my suicide attempt, mm-hmm. you know, December 4th or December, yeah, December 4th of 2017, I tried to take my life, Damn. you know, and I survived that attempt. And I thought that was the worst time of my life, you know, and then here I am f- five years later, uh-huh. you know, and I went through an even darker phase. And but, you made it through. But this time, I chose to get help. That was the difference. So you're trying to put it out there so that people can see that that's available. Yeah. And, ju- and just because I'm showing up today, tonight, this way, and on this podcast, doesn't mean that I don't have my dark moments. Mm-hmm. You know? Two, no. da- two days ago. Two days ago, I was beating myself up. Mm-hmm. You know? Couldn't stand to look at myself, but I had to remind myself like, this is temporary. This is temporary. This is, it'll pass. It'll pass. And these are things that aren't true. Yes. Like, yes. Like, you know, I do. And here's if the more good you do, Mm -hmm. right. The better you're going to be able to put your head on the pillow at the end of the night. Yes. You know? And also I think like keeping promises to yourself yeah. Do you ever, you know, like, I always feel like that's a big one for me is like, yeah, doing good. Cause if you do something bad, like it's going to affect you. You don't think it will, yeah. but like the guilt is going to, it's going to be there. Mm-hmm. And then also I feel like for me, it's like keeping promises. Like I was said I was going to do this thing and now I'm not doing it. Mm-hmm. I start feeling bad. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cause that's where you have. All of that negative, that that morbid reflection. That well, because it's like I I deserve this and I I owe myself this, but I'm not doing it. I'm not taking care of myself. You know, like mm-hmm. 
that's where I get mad at myself. It's like, yeah. And that's, you know, you're doing a good thing here with this podcast, you know, because you're involving other people. Well, I'm kind of trying to also let it be a showcase for the other people. And like, it's kind of what you said about the thing I like the most about it is you kind of hit it on the head. Like we're surrounded by the superficial, like 90% of the time. Mm -hmm. And so like when a lot of times in here you get a person one-on-one, it ends up getting really deep. Yeah. And honestly, I get so bored with superficial, like just bored out of my mind. And like, I I like crave having like going deeper with stuff, you know, like that's what I like to, you know, not all the time. There's a time when it's like, uh, what are you doing? (laughs) You know, like (laughs) you got to serve a beer right now. Like we don't, you know, but I mean, even at the bar, you end up kind of doing that where. Yeah. You're like a counselor, basically. (laughs) You really are (laughs) as a bartender. You'll end up being a therapist, a counselor, um. You know, but I think it's good what you're doing. I think it's good what you're saying. Um, as far as, like, I just feel like it definitely helps people. And, and it, it shows, like, because I would look at you as somebody who has their shit together, who's doing great. So, like, nobody would know that, like, you can have everything, have your shit together, appear to be great, and you could still be going through this darkest time in your life. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I think that's what happens, like, sometimes with, like, like I said, our heroes who have committed suicide or whatever, like, they seem like they have everything. You would have never thought, like, Chester Bennington or Chris Hell Cornell yeah. or, like, I mean, you never really know. So just don't. I think uh, also the message to people to, like, actually get help is huge. Because that even goes in, like, things like eating disorders and, like, mm-hmm. I, I know. So my friend, she just got her master's and she does, she's, um, uh, she works with people with eating disorders because she had one. And so, like, um, that's like Tiana when she was on here. She was talking about that. And it's like she ended up not – she got help, but she didn't go to a, a center. Mm-hmm. But she had help with the doctor and her parents. Like, they, they, they got it. But she's like, I wouldn't suggest that. I think sometimes, like, even with an eating disorder like anorexia, you literally have to go get help because yeah. you will die. Yeah. You know, and it's like I think depression is the same thing. It's like – Depression. people don't th- it's like <sighs> alcoholism drugs food don't think too that your problem is too small like i know there's a lot of people that may be struggling and they're like well i don't my problem's like not alcohol or it's not like suicide guess right. what like your problem is not too small like talk yep. like please please you know there's like this um air it out there's this Neil Young song where he has this line where it's like, he's like, even though my problems are meaningless, it doesn't make them go away. And it's like, (laughs) so he even know it's like, I mean, I feel like everybody has that. It's like, even if it's something really small to someone else, if it's like ruining your world, like it's, it's not going to go away till you deal with it. Basically, you know, like, you know, it's funny about like the whole Cadillac problems, right? That's what we call them. Cadillac problem? Like, you know, because you got a caddy, how life, how bad can life really be? You know, yeah. it's a, it was actually a really good car back in the day. Oh, you know? yeah. So they call it a I mean, Cadillac problem. Yeah. Well, or even like a first world problem. Like, yeah, we first the, world We problem. live in the U.S. Like our life is fucking yep. amazing compared to like, yeah, however percentage of. But I mean, some that doesn't make the problem go away. It doesn't, and it doesn't make it less significant than others, right? So, mm-hmm. 
you know, if you're, you know, you brought up like, hey, this person might be very, was very well off growing up, right? Like parents had money, they had everything they could ever ask for, you know, and let's say like, you know, it's what would seem small to us. Yeah. Guess what? Like, let's humble ourselves a little bit because we don't. We're not all cut from the same cloth. Yeah. Doesn't mean that their problem is any less significant than ours. It's just and it's definitely significant to them. It is to them. And that's what that's what they have to deal with. It's that I mean cuz somebody else can't deal with it for them. They're going to have to deal with it or face it at some point. And so like if it's causing them tremendous pain and suffering, like that's you sitting there and saying like Oh, that's no big deal. What do you, you know, put yeah. some dirt on it. It's not going to help them really. Like. Yeah. I mean, I can tell you I've been through a lot of shit, you know, a lot of life experience. Yeah. Um, it, it doesn't matter. You yeah. Know? It, it really doesn't, you know. Um, people have been through worse than I am. Does that mean my problems are not as important? It's not going to make them go away. Like yeah. that's that Neil Young line. Yeah, it's like, it's just great, not. I love that line. It's not going to, it's not going to make it, you know, it, it, they could be, it could be a meaningless problem. But to somebody else, but to you, it could be the biggest thing in the world. Yeah. You know? So if, you know, get some help, you know? So I called that suicide hotline, you know? They have something called the warm line as well. Okay. So if let's say you're not at that point where you just want to end things and you have a plan, okay, Mm -hmm. there's this warm line where you can literally just talk to someone and, um, man, you know, it's. I mean, that's huge that that's out there and more people don't use it. Dude, well, it's embarrassing to have to call that, man. I was, so my friend Miranda, shout out to you, Miranda. Love you a lot. I'm a friend for a long time. She had, she's like, I'm really worried about you. You should call this, you know? And uh-huh. I'm like, I don't need to call it, you know? Yeah. And then she made me promise her to call. Right. So I called, you know, and... Then they passed me off to the warm line, and I remember one day I was just like, I'm really not good, and I had to really admit that to myself. I had to be honest with myself Mm -hmm. that it was really that bad, that my thoughts were really that dark. Was that hard to do? Oh, it was hard because they took me out of my house, you know, Mm -hmm. had to go to the hospital, had to talk to a social worker. How long did you have to stay? A couple days, yeah. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. No one knew. And about did it. they get you hooked up with the help you needed? Yeah, I mean, te- or was that something you had to find afterwards? Well, technically, it could have gone many different directions. You yep. Know? Um, luckily, I was seeing, seeking help from a professional, uh-huh. and then um, I had agreed to go on antidepressants. Yep. You know, um, so I am on antidepressants. Mm-hmm. It's something that. I never, that was also something I had a stigmatism. Like I didn't want to take something because I didn't want something to define who I was. Right. Right. I was scared to take them because I was afraid to see how the world would view Frankie if he was on antidepressants. Yeah. You know, so I got on Lexapro, uh, which is like an anti-anxiety med, pretty much anti-depression. I was Mm -hmm. going through these panic attacks. I don't know if you've ever had one before. Um, I didn't not really I've never had them in my whole entire life and I would start something would happen I've had like anxiety but I don't think ever a full-on attack like that yeah I would just have trouble breathing 
you know? And then I would Shit. almost feel like it would be in this hamster wheel that wouldn't stop spinning. Not like visually, I wouldn't trip out like that. No, but I mean, that's what they, like, there's there's also ruminating. They say that's like a hamster wheel. I don't oh, know. Oh, man, it was just like. But yours was like a anxiety. It was bad, yeah. And then, um, so I'm on a short-term stint, so I should be off in a couple months. Maybe. But so sometimes people need them forever. Other times people just need them to get through a period, and then they're fine off of them again. Mm-hmm. At least that's what I've always heard. Yeah. Um. So who knows? I mean, but I have friends that have been on them and that they need them. It's really dependence on the person. So the plan that I have going forward with my my professional healthcare, you know, my primary healthcare is, hey, we'll see. So in about a month, I'm gonna take half the dosage that I'm on right now. Yep. Then I'm gonna go down to half of that dosage, Mm -hmm. and then the plan is to really be off in about two and a half months. Okay. And, and then see how you are. And, yeah, but yeah. here's the thing: if I if I start going through those episodes again, you'll probably reach out again. And, no, I'll probably just continue to take it. Right. Yeah. And she's right. we've already have that plan. She's like, we have enough to where I have enough to where I can keep going if I need to. Mm-hmm. In case, let's say, like day two off of it, I'm like, this is a noticeable. You're back difference. in that spot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. So how does all this play into? your goals or your plans for bodybuilding and like are you gonna do some shows in the next year ah, that's a good or is question. it something where the extra stress and pressure from that might not be the best thing for you right now um you know that's that's a really good question yeah um the funny thing is i don't really get stress from from that from prep yeah okay yeah because I, I didn't know like i didn't know how that would if that was something that would, you know, because that can be hard for people. It can be brutal sometimes. Like yeah, the, the eating. The starving the part. Yeah. dieting. Yeah. I mean, who knows? We'll just, the, the whole thing is like, I can't, I can't pretend to know how it's going to be. Right. right. So, so you're just, playing it by ear, basically. Let's just stay present. And that's the key to life, right? Yeah. Be in the moment, right? Mm-hmm. Well, that's the way to be the happiest. Yeah. Because yeah. that's where God is. That's where yeah. the, that's where, you know. I mean, that's all we really have Yeah, is where we are right now. We could start thinking about the future or I could start reminiscing about the past, but like we're here right now. Again. And then in a second we're going to be here. And it's like, it's like, and that's it. Again, if we talk about that parable, right? Yeah. Guess what? If we're living in the future or the past, guess what? It's like, anxiety. Yeah. We just, Isn't that what yeah, that is? Like yeah, they just, say like. We just don't know. Yeah, like anxiety is the wondering what's going to happen, and I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it's basically that's what it is. Yeah, the future tripping. Right. right. Have you ever tried like um, when we were talking about ego earlier? Like, have you ever done any kind of like mushrooms or anything like that? Or you know, some psychedelic. Some um, people say they can they experience ego death. Uh, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't put it past it. But I'm sure the ego comes back. That's I, you know, the thing. I, yeah, I'm sure. It does I think too. when you're on them, they melt the ego, and you realize you're just all part of this one thing. You know, whatever it is, the universe, God, we're all this one thing together. We're all connected, and you like realize that. And then I think once you come down from them, basically, you're just like the ego will come back. Yeah, you, you know, know that psilocybin treatments or whatever you call it, the mushroom treatment, or microdosing that's yeah that's going to be huge in the next five years oh yeah i think it's huge right now i might even have a guest coming on who is um starting a church oh 
that has that to do with like, off that? yeah. So there's that. There's also what is it? The ayahuasca. Yeah. You know, which a lot That's of people like a have cactus had, or something. Yeah, which people have had great experiences off of. Yeah. Um, I, here I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pretend to not love mushrooms because you've done them. Uh, every time I've done them, Woo! now I've, I've had a a great time. I've actually never really done them. Really? No. Yeah, I've I've had a lot of experience with them and. Even the bad times were very life changing, enlightening. Kind enlightening. of. I was like, I may or may not have some in here <laughs> somewhere. I mean, uh, those pills right there, those are microdose. Oh, those That's are one of my yeah powerlifter buddies gave me those. But I <laughs> look at that. Might have some other. Just ones. kidding. I know. I was like, should we just take a few? No. The so... podcast will go like three more. Hours. <laughs> we're almost three hours. It'll t- are we really? Not really. We're like two two forty right Damn, now. Damn. Sorry, you guys. No, this was a really good one. Yeah. Man. Um, oh shit! I didn't even realize. Yeah, yeah. Well, Those, I guess, that's good. You know. No, that's really good. Um, this was fun, man. Yeah. Thank like you. I'm glad you're in a better spot than you were. I had no idea, and I'm I'm glad you're sharing this with people. Yeah. And like I'm here for you too, man. If thank you ever, you. yeah. Yeah. Well, because I look up to you. I think you're, yeah, especially in bodybuilding. Since I've met, you know, the people in renovation fitness, and like every time, you know, being a new guy in this area, you were always so kind and nice and like easy to talk to so like even if i didn't know anybody and you you know just the the thing where you kind of had liked the the music connection so you liked the yellow lead better thing and like i knew that you knew i was a pro wrestler so like if i was ever like at an event where i really didn't know anybody like you were usually pretty easy to talk to and i was like oh frankie's here that's at least i could talk to him or like <laughs> thanks man that so i that meant a lot to me because i you know i was new i didn't know people yet you know it's if yeah if uh, i appreciate that and thank you and you're welcome too yeah yeah. Yeah. um before i get too sidetracked um um actually i'm already sidetracked well let's talk about what you need to talk about here yeah sure uh i do want to say though um you know don't take first impressions too because i've met people that are like man i thought you hated me the first time i met you you know really like Maybe I gave them the wrong look or something. Dude, I've had people that I've hated the first time I met them, and then I end up really, really liking them. I've yeah. had that happen, too. Right. But I've literally had people where they're like, man, like, I came and introduced myself, and, like, you just kind of weren't having it. I'm like... You were a dick. Oh, dude, I was like, I don't even remember You probably that. didn't even remember. Yeah. People are, like... People are just sensitive. Well, that was, like, I think I'm it was, the same way, though. I think it was Mark... Uh, was talking about when he first met Carlo, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. And we were giving him shit like, oh, you were big-timing him, you know? But he didn't know him. He's like, I'm sure a lot of people come up and say hi, you yeah. know? And I'm like, yeah, Mark, you were big-timing him. You're just like, who's this, you know? Like, <laughs> no. But, yeah, so you could always talk to me. Don't, if I seem like I didn't like you, that wasn't on purpose. Right, I think a lot of times we don't even mean to do it. It's just maybe we're busy or distracted by something else or like maybe you even have your own shit going on or like you're late for work or you got a plan that, you know, like you don't know and someone's trying to say hi and it's not even that you mean to be mean. It's like, oh, hey, you know, and then you're like, I got to go or whatever. Like Now, if I don't like you and you ask me if I don't like you, Will you tell them? I'll be honest, yeah. yeah. I won't really say that I won't like them because here's the thing. Um, I believe that we're all cut from the same cloth, right? Yeah, I kind of like everybody in a sense. Yeah, I mean, you're all my brothers, you're all my sisters, you know, however, whatever higher power you believe in. Mm-hmm. You know, I believe we're all children of God in some way. Yeah. Know? 
I think um, we are all connected. Hey, we're all connected. Hey, yeah. I read a random fact today. Okay, random fact that humans and and um, galaxies share ninety seven percent of the same atoms. So we're yeah. in in essence, we're all technically stardust. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, we're made out of it. Yeah, we're made yeah. out of it. It's right. literally, it's it's proven. Yeah, whatever right? whatever the way that we're created, you know, if it's God or you know the universe or whatever, like we're made out of yeah. it. Ninety seven percent. Yeah. Of the same atoms in us like we used to be in a star like all this yeah yeah fucking weird um but yeah come talk to me if you need to um psilocybis treatment never done it um i've been sober technically for five years so i don't drink anymore that's dope yeah Yeah. um like i have these whiskey bottles here yeah but i am not a drinker dude let's fucking do this right now oh i don't don't drink you still have that sense of humor don't you like like i think a lot of people that uh Still smells good. That's though. that Metallica whiskey, dude. Oh, this. Oh, that blackened. Yeah, yeah. blackened is yeah. Yeah, I still um, love the smell of bourbon and whiskey. And right. I kind of like. It's like I'm, I'm like collecting them now because I started with the Metallica one, then I got one more, then I got another. One of my uh, really good customers got me this proper twelve when he was over in Ireland for Christmas. Yeah. He's like, "I'll bring you that Conor McGregor shit." I'm like, oh, "Cool, yeah, dude." Yeah, that's right. And my friend. Uh, now it's a collection. My friend Jacqueline is actually sponsored by them. That's dope. Jacqueline dude. Conroe, she's on Instagram. She's big time model. So, right. Um, this stuff though, um, it's I'm such a dork, man. Color I literally well smelled this, in. and I was like, it smells. I was literally gonna say it smells like it was aged in brandy, and look at that. It was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Finished in brandy cask. Yeah. There's this, um, and they they blast Metallica music through it, and then you get the playlist. Like this is batch one twenty five. Yeah. So like I have the playlist of what it all got played. Like, well, you whiskey know, whiskey in the jar, hero of the day. I think it was like fade to black. There's like five or six songs. If you like whiskey, yeah. Um, Angels Envy is also aged in. Uh, brandy brandy yeah. yeah and that was like 2012 whiskey of the world i do like it i just don't drink it because it it's not good for me mentally yeah it's not good for me physically every once in a while like when jay was on here yeah me, we're like let's do it i, saw I don't know guys. jay's got a good he, he he's like such a fun dude <laughs> yeah like i love that guy. yeah that's what i'm saying so like i'm like ah fuck it jay will do a little you know and it kind of brings out that that side of you you know like he's he's like a big like He's like a big kid, man. He's you a just kid. Have, you I just love have it. fun with him. He's a fun dude, man. He's just a good guy. Um, but yeah, so it's like, but now I have it as a collection, and even my like my roommates like, I'm like, oh, I got another bottle for the podcast. He's like, oh, he's like, you could drink it. I'm like, well, you just like don't get me, bro. Yeah. I'm like, it's not about drinking. It's about having the it's collection. Just aesthetics, right? Yeah, there. it's aesthetics, dude. Yeah. And plus, I like whiskey, and it's like I will have a little here and there, you yeah. know. Good for you, man. Maybe after the show in April, I'll have like a little bit. Like, who knows? <laughs> you know. See if it was me. Like you, if I start with one sip, guess what? All four of those bottles are going down this yeah, evening. And that's not a good thing. That's not a good right. thing. Yeah. So I. Ch- but what about chewing, man? I want to chew now. <laughs> it's like. Yeah, I. You know, the nicotine habit is like. Well, I just saw an Andrew Huberman thing about nicotine is a nootropic, and like, so nicotine itself can actually be beneficial, like memory, cognitive <laughs> ability. It's the uh, the carcinogens from like the tobacco. That's what's bad for Dude, you. Dude, yeah, that's the thing. That's why they have all of these 
products out there that are tobacco free. Just nicotine. Yeah. But then you get hooked on that. And they taste good. I or mean, like Adderall. A lot of people are on Adderall now too. Dude, man. man, I can't do Adderall. So I used. I've never done it. Here's another fun fact for me. Yeah. Um, because I like sharing my history. Yeah. Because a lot of people don't see this part of me, right? Mm-hmm. But if you looked at me, would you think I had a drug problem? Well, no. I think everybody sees the bodybuilder image yeah, now. Yeah, everyone sees the bodybuilder. I don't even think they would have understood the, the sublime fucking making money musician guy. You know, like, I don't think people would have ever guessed that either. Yeah. Um, maybe I'll post some of that sometime. Right. No, man, I used to be a fucking meth addict and a crack addict. Yeah. You know? And Adderall, I remember when I would take it. Is I'd that be, close to meth? It, it's literally, for me, it felt exactly the same. Yeah. Now, have, has bodybuilding been a main thing that's helped keep you um no on the straight and narrow or is it more like religion or is it like it was uh, the birth of my son isaac and that was it yeah he was uh isaac 17 now he's such a handsome isaac don't let this go to your head yeah but he's just good kid man i'm just so really lucky because he's just responsible um he's got great morals and Mm -hmm. virtues you know yeah um, I attribute that not to myself, but um, to his grandparents on his stepdad's side, yep. his his stepdad, Patrick, and his mom, um, Rachel. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, I'm so lucky, man. Yeah. Like, just the way it all happened. But, no, pretty much when she told me she was pregnant, um, I locked myself in my room for two years. Or two years, no. I locked myself in my room for about two weeks, went through all the withdrawal process. Because you just knew. Because I, I knew. can't do this. I can't do this. Well, I almost lost my job. I just... No. Yeah. So so is is it... um Like, having a kid must be one of the most profound things. Like, because it does... I've heard stories like that a lot. Yeah. Like, even... Uh, so many people that when they get off drugs, it's like they just... Having a kid must really change you. Like, I just... You know, um, I just wanted to make sure that (sighs) you didn't want his dad to be that guy. I didn't want his dad to be that guy. You're right. And I also didn't want to be like my dad. Yeah. And I'm sorry, dad, if you listen to this or if anyone in my family, my dad's turned into a great person, you know, Mm -hmm. and I'm not going to get into it. Um, my dad is alive and well, and he's a loving man. Um, but my, my, you know. There were some things that, that just... But maybe when you were young, it wasn't ideal. It wasn't ideal. Yeah. And I'll get into that sometime. Well, and that can fuck you up. Yeah, and yeah. it has. Yeah. Yeah, and my relationships and how I show up today. And, you know, it's part of... And it's all part of the discovery process, so... Mm-hmm. You know, I you know I notice that, that theme in bodybuilding a lot. Yeah, is parents. Like, yeah, like having maybe either a dad that's Mom not there. Or, yeah. yeah. I know. It's a thing, it's man. It's a thing, dude. It really is. Yeah. I mean, even like Bradley Martin, he was that, that dude that his dad <laughs> committed suicide, I believe. Yeah. Or like, and that's what he, you know, he had to find, basically find, become his own kind of like father figure through bodybuilding or like, it's weird. You like look up to these father figures, like from like, even me, like I love Stallone, like, like all these, like in like re- certain wrestlers that I consider like heroes and shit, like. I've kind of found these different, like, my dad's great. I, you know, it's not like he wasn't there or anything. Yeah. But I've had found these, like, kind of, like, father figure type characters that have, like, inspired me through the years. You yeah. know, like, so I don't know, dude. Well, 
I don't know if anyone's actually going to listen to this entire episode. Yeah, dude, we're at like fucking <laughs> almost three hours, baby. Dude, this is let's like, wrap this thing yeah, up. What do you, what do you, what do you got? You probably got one final message for everybody. Um, one final message. Um, God, man, I don't know. <laughs> I really don't. Just, little, if you need help, reach dude, out. Dude, if you need help, reach out to me. Like, Chase not your e- dreams. Not even reach out to someone. Like, if you're if you're really struggling and you just don't know who to reach out to, guess what? You can you can reach out to me. I again, like no one was able to take the pain that I was going through away, mm-hmm. you know. But it it just helped to kind of emotionally vomit on people. Yeah. You know? Well, yeah. It's like even like your friends sometimes you just need to vent. Yeah. Because that's, like I said, my friends keep me honest and stuff. But, like, it's also, like, they're, like, you just need to vent sometimes. Yeah. You know, it's not, like, it's not. I guess if I would say anything I learned from this is, like, don't be ashamed or scared to be vulnerable. Don't be ashamed or scared to get help if you need it. Mm-hmm. You know, don't be, you know, the stigma against, like, if you need medication or this or that. Like, I feel like what you're doing is a good thing because people... I don't know. Yeah, we bottle too much shit up. Yeah. Like I think it's like you said, the sunlight thing. That's the best thing I took away from this. Good. No yeah. problem is too small. I also think we should put that sunlight thing on all politics now. Yeah. Let's yeah. fucking let's disinfect <laughs> let's all get that. It, yeah. yeah, put the sunlight on that too. And like yeah. But anyway, man. Yeah. Other th- than that, by the way, you did ask me what I got next. So I'll be competing in Pittsburgh uh, mid July okay. for Gary Udit's um it's a Masters national show. Hell yeah. So um, I heard they're bringing a Masters division to Olympia. Really? So, I mean, I mean, if it's possible for me to be an Olympian in the 40s, in the ring. Dude, I think you can do it. We'll see. I'm just a little guy. You keep surprising yourself, though, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. yeah like, yeah. did you ever think you'd, like, musician you, would he have ever thought, like, wow, I'm going to be on stage with a fucking sword someday, lean as fuck? Winning a show, you know, like... Never, no. Yeah. No. And that's the cool thing about life, dude. Yeah. And that's like the... I always think that's the value of like being... It's kind of what you said about creating the new neural pathways too. Like if you would have ne- not believed that, like you would have never been able to create that new version of you. Yeah. You know, like... I do have a takeaway. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm going to leave with anything... Because, yeah, winning the sword and everything was cool. Yeah. You know? But the reality of it was um, I wish I would have taken advantage of the people that I cared about the most in my life and shared it with those people. Yes. You know, well, that's more important than winning anything. Exactly. You know, there were a lot of people that were close to me that day with that. I just wish I would have spent more time with them that day, you know. Mm-hmm. And so don't don't take the people that are close to you for granted. That's, that's huge. Yeah. I think especially when we're chasing ambitions we forget dude and it's so easy um i don't know about you guys out there but for me the people that get like probably the worst treatment in my life are the people that are close to me i think that's most most people yeah that most people treat the people the closest to them the worst sometimes yeah 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 and that's the people that they love the most I know. and uh so that's what i've been working on is really is to there's this book called for you guys out there, there's this book called The Mansfield Men of Manly Men. Yeah. Something my pastor recommended to me. I read it. And there's something about tending your field. I'm not going to spoil it for you, but it talks about the virtues and 
the the importance of taking care of what's important to you. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, yeah, just don't take people for granted and um, take right. care of it, right? Yeah, right. take care of them. That's a huge message. Yeah. I've had other bodybuilders in here talk about that, like, take that time with your family, take that time with your friends. Like, nothing we're doing or trying to achieve is more important than that. 100%. I think that's a good place to end it. Yeah, good. All right, man. Well, I appreciate you being here. Thank you, brother. Thank you, everybody, for listening out there. If you're still tuned in, you're a hero. You're a hero. Three hours, baby. (laughs) All right. Thank you, Frankie. We'll sign off. Hey, thanks, brother.